Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome along to Thursday. We're rocketing through this week, which is fantastic. Uh, Diabetes on the global march. One in 11 is a victim. And there's lots of advice in the paper on how to sort of lose the weight if you're type 2 diabetic. Must be costing the NHS a small fortune. And the reason people get it for free is because they need it. Are there any celebrities without an offshore account? There'll be many of you listening to the radio this morning thinking, I wasn't even aware of offshore accounts until you started talking about it. But uh, they're all there. The radio hosts who are suspended after telling a ranting player's mother she was off air. What you're not allowed to do is record somebody for an interview without telling them you are recording them for transmission. Otherwise, you know, you've got to get permission from people. And uh, Ali Jones, grumpy on daybreak. All of that and uh, pupils who should have gardening lessons, half of dog owners kiss their pets, the yob using a false leg as a bong, I believe that's for smoking uh, drugs, and the tea cakes have sailed after Scottish nationalists called for a boycott of Tunnock's tea cakes. Those are those things with the the sort of the marshmallowy bit and then the chocolate over the top, sometimes with a bit of jam in the middle, sometimes without jam. And pictures in all the papers because they're obsessed with exploiting every aspect of their family. Harper Beckham in a in a nail salon at that age. You'd think she'd be out playing with her friends, but you get the feeling that Harper Beckham doesn't actually have any friends apart from her obsessed social media parents who take her out at every opportunity to get a picture. Dave looks miserable. Mum, you would have thought Mum would have been in there saying, we don't want any pictures taken of her in the salon. I mean, how would you know if she goes out? Now, they're not hanging around their house. They take their own photographer out, so they tweet a picture. Are we supposed to be impressed by the fact that a child is having her nails done, her you know, fingernails and her toenails done, at her age, when she should be out playing in the sunshine? You know, it's the exploitative family, you know, every opportunity. It's a bit embarrassing, really. One of these days, the photographers are going to go, why don't you just do one? We're not interested in you anymore. Is it Nessie lurking in the Thames? No, of course it's not. Don't be so stupid. There was no such thing as Nessie. It doesn't exist. It's a, a, a failing attempt on behalf of the Scottish peoples, much of whom we love, uh, to actually keep an industry going. There is no Loch Ness Monster. There has never been a Loch Ness Monster. No, there isn't. Shut up. It's, you know, all this rubbish about it's too dark in the loch. There's no fish in there because it's too dark. There is no underwater cave. There is no nothing. This thing must be creaking along like there's no tomorrow. It's obviously got an aqualung with it. And there's obviously only the one because otherwise you'd see the family. The kids would be out there playing in the sunshine, you know, and all the rest of it. But there is no family. There are no things. I mean, the Scottish people, they have to keep it. They've got nothing else. They've got Edinburgh Castle. You know, Scots were how we wall is bled. They've got bagpipes, kilts, and, and a mythical creature. I mean, do me a favour. I'm sorry. I don't want to be rude. You see, even the newsreader's jumped in on it. He says, excuse me, I've seen Nessie. It's because you drink. That's why. We've all seen it when we've had a drink. It does not exist. Let's not go down this route. It's just, it's just very... He says, we do have battered Mars bars and haggis. It's a beginning to sound like a bit of a takeover, isn't it, at LBC? I'm surrounded by Scots. You know, I mean, in, in, in Scottish terms, the two Scottish people we have working here, that is practically an army in Scotland, ladies and gentlemen. They could be marching down the streets of Falkirk, the swirling of the kilt, you know, it could be, be fantastic, you know, and I could be the other end of the high street with my little army, and we could sort of clash in the middle. I've got to keep it going. I mean, I'm just jealous, of course, as you can imagine, because I'm not Scottish or Welsh or Irish, and so I don't actually have any heritage. I think I came over with the Vikings and that's about as exciting as it gets so I don't have anything to cling on to if you're British, what have we got? Nothing 
I'd rather if somebody said to me, you know, are you proud to be Welsh? You'd go, yeah, I'm proud. To- I'd love to better speak Welsh, but I'm not Welsh. I'd love to better speak Irish, but I'm not Irish. Love to better... S- well, the Scottish people have enough trouble among their own people, don't they? Really trying to understand what's going on half the time. I mean, sometimes you put subtitles up and it doesn't help. It doesn't help, really. But we, we smile at them. We, you know, we give them the time of the day. Hello, hello. It's very nice that they've actually wandered down from the border towns to actually come down to the big city and see what life is like in the real world. But uh, as regarding Nessie, on the Thames, stop it now. Just stop it. It does not exist. It's never existed. It's just probably a log, or or failing that, it'll be somebody swimming down the Thames with a, a thing on his back to make it look like a hump. Why Why do they assume Nessie's got a hump? Why couldn't it just look, look like a giant crocodile? Actually, I saw a film about a giant crocodile. I think it was called Predator, where this huge... But they've got one in the paper today. Some bloke, uh, it was eating his cows. In Florida. And so his son is standing next to him. I mean, you wouldn't believe the size of this thing. I think it's over 15 feet long. It's absolutely enormous. Absolutely enormous. Uh, Macaulay Skulkin. So great as a child actor. So unattractive as an adult. Uh, goes out at night now to avoid being recognised. Because people like the films. I, I bought all of the home... Uh, home Alone films. I thought they were great. I thought they were absolutely fantastic. Uh, I do like the idea that the mum hears her dead son's heart in a patient... They, they transplant it and she hears it beating. And, so, and there is a lovely picture in the paper because that's, you know, uh, for a parent to lose a child is possibly the worst thing that can ever happen. To hear their heart beating in somebody else must have been quite pleasing. But at the same time, terribly, terribly sad for her. Uh, Kirsty Walk on the television, on Newsnight, on the BBC, wearing tracky bottoms. What next, dear? Broadcasting from a council estate, perhaps with a fag in your hand and a drink in the other. Can of Stella. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. HSBC to close down 200 more branches. Very shortly, you won't even need to go in a branch. I've not been a branch for donkey's years. I mean, seriously, donkey's years. We do everything online. Everything is online. We do everything online. You don't need to go there. You could just uh, pick up the phone or you can dial into your account, which I do on the internet, and you can transfer money. You can do everything. I pay everything online. I don't need to physically go there. I've not written out a cheque for years, and I did think at one point, God, am I ever going to live without writing out a cheque? And I think the first thing I wrote, uh, I, I didn't write a cheque out for, was VAT. And they said, if you'd like to pay it by this, and they send you the details, this is the amount we're looking for, and it's, uh, this is the sort code, this is the bank, this is the account number, and this is your reference, and you put that in, and you just transfer the money. And it's done instantly. It's, I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. It really is. It's lovely. Uh, and also, can somebody please, please tell Rebecca Adlington, darling, we couldn't give a stuff about you or your marriage. Just go away. Please go away. I'm not interested in anything about you. I think you've dragged out your five seconds of fame. It's now becoming boring. So just go away. Just go away, please. Uh, what else did we have, actually? Oh, we had the, um, the Japanese invisible train. I quite like the idea of this. It's not really an invisible train like there is, no, Loch Ness Monster. Um, but, you know, it's nice to keep it going. So it's not really an invisible train, but it makes it look as though it is because of its uh, reflective nature. Uh, there's also the cutthroat murder uh, girl. I'll tell you about her a little bit later on. She's a hairdresser. Uh, well, she's not anymore. She's been fired. And Merle Haggard, the country and western star, died yesterday, which was his birthday. Uh, which is, uh, you know, very sad, but I grew up with Merle Haggard and absolutely loved it. Uh, I did yesterday have a fantastic interview. Uh, it was it was really, really, really good. Don Cheadle 
came in, got a bit of excitement going, and uh, he was a bit tired. Got a new film out about the life of Miles Davis, which not only did Don Cheadle co-write, but he directs and he also stars in it as well. Very clever man. He was very tired. And when he first came in, and I'll, I'll tell you honestly, I thought, oh dear. You know, when you, I had to look at somebody, and I was explaining to people yesterday, that when you do interviews, if you've never met somebody before, they've got to like you within a minute. There's no point in sort of waiting 20 minutes for them to like you. So within the first minute, they have to like me, and they have to trust me enough to sit down and talk to me, with an audience, because we always end up with an audience, uh, for in conversation. And it's not like a quick five-minute interview. It's a 20-minute interview, 20, 24 minutes, I think, we're looking for, two 12-minute bands. And so he came in yesterday, and I thought, oh... And I'd read a couple of interviews where um, he's, he likes talking about his work. He doesn't really do too much about his private life, and he can give quite short answers. So I was prepared for this. I was, I was well prepared. The film is great. The film is very, very clever, very, very good, and he's good. Uh, although when he came in, he didn't, he didn't look so, so happy. And, of course, he'd come from a television interview. They'd lined up loads of interviews. So, of course, I said to him, I bet they're working you hard. And he looked at me and went, don't even go there. And I think it's very tiring. You fly across from America, so you're looking at nine, ten hours anywhere. And... Um, it's, it's, it's very interesting. He came down. Within a minute, he was wrapped around my little finger. He had fallen under the charm, and we had a fantastic interview. I mean, really good. Even his, his PAs were saying that was a really good interview because we just gelled. We just bonded. It was fantastic. And, uh, because, and, and the reason is, is because I'm interested in the people I talk to. You know, Boy George, as you know, was the classic example of somebody when he was uh, when he was going through his sort of druggy period. He was a vile individual. He was the worst. In he admits it. He admits it. And he came in for the end of my uh, my tongue lashing. And, uh, and some people are going, oh, it's hypocritical to interview him. No, no, no. He's come off drugs. He's been clean for ages and ages. And he admitted. He said people said to me, you know, when you're on this stuff, you're not a nice person. And uh, and he wasn't a nice person at all. In fact, he was barred from all sorts of places. There was a story that he was barred from balance because he was just, he was behaving badly. But then people grow up and he's now in a really, really fantastic place. And so that's what I like. I like people who sort of come in and, uh, and you know, he knew all about me, as indeed he would do. I've been in the business a long while. And we got a really good interview. So much so that he then said afterwards, what a, what a, what a good interview he had on the programme. Which is what we offer. We offer, as they say, good interview like working in a brothel, we're offering good sex. And the trouble is with the interviews during conversation, there is no sex involved. Sometimes I mentally undress them, but that's my business, isn't it? I don't tell people things like that. Uh, so today uh, we've got uh, Michelle Rue Jr. coming in to talk about... I want to find out, actually, I'd, I'd already worked out in my mind, although it, it never quite works out like this. My first question was going to be, what's the difference between cooking in a restaurant and cooking on television? Um, that, that, it sort of in, intrigued me when I woke up this morning. I was thinking about that and thinking, that's quite a good question, actually. I quite like that. And we've done him before on the programme. He's uh, Because most chefs are up early in the morning, he will be up early this morning, so he'll be popping in later on today to have a chat. And then tomorrow's Friday, and we love Friday. We think it's fantastic. Uh, we're going to talk about people suffering the Twitter blues, because I turned on the television yesterday, and... Um, and there she was again, screeching her way through a programme, the diminutive person that is Sally Jacks. The one who was dropped from bid, the whole thing collapsed, the channel collapsed, and then she was out in the wilderness for ages. And uh, she tried to pitch herself on a, a come dine with me, which just meant she came over as a bit of a show-off. And so I watched her yesterday, and I looked at this ghastly hair, and I looked at her sort of... All she's going on about is how hungry she is, and she's got the worst voice imaginable. I mean, it really is the worst voice. And... Um, 
And I said, and how old is she? I mean, a little bit difficult to tell on television when somebody's troweled on with makeup. Certainly the picture on her Twitter page is not taken recently. I think it was taken some years ago. But then, you know, a lot of people do that, don't they? My one was taken a, a short while ago. But uh, it's on television where people don't come over very well and she doesn't come over very well. It's, uh, she's just screechy. It's a case of me, 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 me. She's not really bothered about anybody else at all. So anyway, it obviously affected her so greatly that I twittered about her that uh, her agent jumped in on the bandwagon. Another one of these people who sort of loads their, their Twitter page with everything that they've done. In their life, you know, this promotions, this manager, blah, blah. It was so dreary. I felt like sending him a sympathy card. You know, how embarrassing. And she obviously had to uh, to tweet herself, didn't she? She had to find herself so she could then sort of send me the uh, the Twitter thing saying, it's all my own hair. As I said, why does it look like it's grown on the back of a horse? Why is an old woman of that age wearing hair that is ridiculously too long and badly coloured? Uh, and also fat, she's had a baby. Well, you know, look at Jordan. She seems to manage it. And of course, all this stuff she's eating and drinking on the television, she's obviously not doing anything that involves the word exercise. And the voice she said I was born with. Well, then you need to go and sort it out. I can't believe she was in a Bucks Fizz tribute band. But uh, anyway, that's what uh, that's what comes of having television, which is particularly naff, and it's people flogging you, sort of naff stuff. More on the jewellery channels than on Ideal World, I have to tell you. And then I opened up OK Magazine, sorry, not OK, Hello Magazine, because obviously Peter Andre is not being featured in OK Magazine, because we're a bit bored with Peter Andre, but this time we've got his, uh, his wife in there, and their love for one another, and their free holiday so they can have a photo shoot, apparently takes their family life to new heights. And then you look at poor Ems, who's a doctor, of what? I have no idea. I'm not sure if she's general practitioner or if she's something... I don't know. All I know is she's only got the one expression. In all her photographs, it's the same vacant look, as if she's caught in headlights. She obviously thinks she's really attractive, and Pete obviously is desperate to find anybody of the same mental age as himself, although what they talk about, I've got no idea. I should imagine Peter Andre knows one end of a band-aid from the other. But they went off on this freebie holiday, so they can have lots of pictures taken. Obviously only four days... And uh, they were over there. Thank God they didn't have to take the kids. And Ems takes a lot of lovely outfits and, again, has this vacant look in her face. You can't imagine her actually having any conversation. And Peter Andre looks like he's never actually been near a ski slope in his life. Caked in makeup, the hair, which they've obviously primped, and it's all, it's all sort of posy-posy stuff, because they thank all the people, you know, of where they stayed and everything else and how you get this and how you get that. So you know it's a freebie holiday because probably poor Peter Andre doesn't have an offshore account. I feel a bit sorry for him, really. Everybody else has got one, Pete. I mean, have you not earned enough money? Or have you got it under the bed? Have you got it under the bed? I bet you got it under the bed. I have got mine under the bed. In a tin. In a tin. And I've actually... Seriously, you think I'm joking. I'm quite serious about it. I've actually got in there £220. That's my savings. £220. I keep it in at home as an emergency. Just in case I ever need 200. And the reason I carry, you know, money like that is because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking at some point I'm going to be walking out of here in the morning. Not this morning because I've got an interview. And somebody's going to say to me, would you like to buy my brand new Rolls Royce Phantom? If you've got 200 pound cash on you, you can have it. And I'm going to go, I've got 200 pound cash. And that's why I keep it. Seriously, that is the reason I keep it on me. That I'm convinced that somebody's going to drive up and say, I've got a Rolls Royce Phantom, Steve. It can be yours, but you've got to have 200 pound cash. I've got it. I've got the money already. It's in a little envy. I can have that. Uh, we will talk about Tunnock's tea cakes. And uh, we will, as well, talk about um, Ali Jones, who's confessed that he was very grumpy when he was on Daybreak. It's funny, some people work well in the morning. Some people, it's, it's not their best time. I, of course, excel first thing in the morning. I have to, otherwise I still wouldn't be here. And, um, and it was interesting because we had... Uh, 
Nina Hussein the other day was doing the debate with Nick Ferrari. And Nick said, oh, this is, uh, this is Steve Allen, and uh, he's been here for ages. And uh, so she said, oh, she said, how long? So I said, uh, <laughs> 36 years. And, um, and so she said, oh, she said, did you ever know my husband? And uh, I said, of course I know your husband. Because I, he was my boss when we were at ITN. So I knew, and so of course, you know, if you've been here this this long, you get. I've I've seen quite a number of uh, of bosses, quite a lot of bosses. So far, I've liked all of them. One of these days, that the, you know, the world is going to collapse, and, uh, and you're going to find a boss you don't like. But uh, if, most of them, I absolutely. In fact, all of them, I like. I don't think I've ever had a boss apart from one. Might have been slightly dodgy, but uh, all the rest of them, I absolutely loved. And look at me, I've gone late to time, but I mean, who cares? It's this. It's Thursday. It's Thursday. You can put your feet up. You can pretend the Loch Ness Monster exists. You can pretend that you've got an offshore account with no money in it. And you can pretend that you haven't got diabetes when you really might have all of that. And more this morning with Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's uh, 4.19. Steve Allen on LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's 22. Two minutes past it doesn't really matter. I was watching a lorry unloading this morning and I thought, you know, because in London, which is where we're broadcasting from uh, in Leicester Square, it's a 24-hour city. It is around the country. I don't know any places that close down at five or six o'clock at night and then sort of wait till eight o'clock in the morning to open up. I did go back to the bakery yesterday, incidentally. I went back to the bakery and I did have, I bought, they do hot sausages. Well, I'm a sucker for hot sausages in the morning. So we all had a hot sausage, and then we tried one of their strudels, which had um, apple and raspberries in, and that was quite nice. So that sent the diabetes through the blooming roof. But the sausage was very nice. I like uh, I like things like that. Isn't it funny? You know, you can be you can be so happy with just sort of a hot sausage. So I did that. The, the trouble is, what they've got, and if they had a mistake, the mistake is that they've got a couple of girls whose English is not very good. You know, it's obviously, you know, cheap stuff or something like that. But whatever it is, their English is not good enough. And, you know, when you sort of say, I ordered three and I said, oh, go on, add another one, have four. And they stand there and they look at you and you go, uh, you want four sausages? And you think, listen, you've got to have a command of English. It's like me going to work in Germany and not speaking a word of German in a cake shop. It's just blooming ludicrous. You know, get some people who speak English, for goodness sake, because otherwise, you know, I mean, even the girls in Starbucks speak perfect English, you know, and they've got to do the same in the bakery. It's as simple as that. Uh, what else we have? Oh, we got the worst gag by the best man. I like the story of Macaulay Culkin, though. I like the idea that Macaulay goes out late at night because, unfortunately, when somebody is a child star, and Macaulay Culkin was a child star, they very rarely make it to adulthood. Very, very rarely. It depends what sort of happens in their life and how they're perceived. And in the case of American films, I think they get very successful very quickly, and then it's an easy case to go off the rails. And I always thought Macaulay Culkin, and I sat next to him in Joe Allen's one day, and uh, I remember looking at him thinking, God, you look amazing. He was so thin. He was painful because he was a little boy. You know, when you saw him in, in uh, Home Alone, he was a little boy. They were, he was coached beautifully. The film, I thought, was excellent. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. But when you see him as an adult, you think, oh, God, that's a very odd thing to see. Child to adult. And very rarely do they make it. So the idea that he goes out late at night to avoid being seen means that he obviously has a fear of bumping into fans. So he goes out in sort of disguise, you know, put a hat on. It's easy to do. You can actually go out... And, and not be noticed by people. But then, of course, if people then go, wait a minute, you're Macaulay Culkin. Or in the case over here, wait a minute, you're Paul Gazza Gascoigne. Why, eh? I am. 
And, uh, you know, that's the embarrassment. And they do go off the rails sometimes. They do. Or failing that, the public just don't want to take a child into adulthood. We don't, we don't like it, as I said yesterday on the programme. You know, when you look at uh, all those early films with the Hollywood child stars, and you see people saying, I'm the good chip lollipop. And you think, yeah, that was lovely. That was absolutely lovely. But did she make it to adulthood? No, she didn't. When she had her first screen kiss, the papers were in aghast. Aghast. She has a screen, a screen kiss. Same happened, I think, to Elizabeth Taylor. But she was slightly odd, but I'd love to have met her. God, I'd love to have met her. That would have been very interesting. The last of the, uh, of the Hollywood big stars. There's a, there's a few left. Still a few out there. One being, of course, Debbie Reynolds. And there's a few other people as well. But I'd love to have met her. I'd love to have seen. I know somebody did go round to the house. Matthew Bourne, I think, went round to Elizabeth Taylor's house. And uh, he said it was very interesting. See, that I'd be very jealous of. You know that he's, uh, he's doing Red Shoes, the Red Shoes, as a ballet. It's going to be out of town and then into Sadler's Wells at Christmas. And yes, I have tickets already. Uh, because I just, I think he's so clever. So, so clever. Uh, Jahan says, I usually listen to you as I'm going to bed as I live in Bermuda. He said, but today I'm uh, high above the clouds. 32,000 feet on my way to Vegas. Red or black? Black. Black. I mean, the, that, that was the basis, wasn't it, of that, uh, that dreadful show with Anton Deck, which died on its proverbial. Oh, dear, did that ever die? That was a dreadful show. Mind you, Vernon Kay's new programme, The Papers, have ripped apart. This is a, a show called Drive, where they've got some, uh, some celebrities on. Poor Louis Walsh has been kicked out already, but who cares? Who goes? They say it's another blow. It attracts less than... Two million viewers, that's less than a BBC One drama on autism. I don't know how you can ever equate a drive programme with something on autism. But uh, they've got Vernon Kay there. They can't get him to rate. And that accounts for everything that he does. He's a bit Eamon Holmes. You know, Eamon Holmes does loads of shows on television. He doesn't rate. He doesn't rate. He's perfectly pleasant. He's perfectly agreeable. He just doesn't rate. And Vernon Kay is, um, is sort of... I'm going to tell you a story, actually, about Vernon Kay. I'm going to tell you a story about Vernon Kay from yesterday, which is quite a funny little story. You might think it's funny or you might think it's somewhat peculiar. But we're standing outside here. There's me and there's uh, a couple of other people from LBC. And we're waiting for Don Cheadle. And Vernon Kay walks past. And so he goes, see you to the people. I don't know him. So he says, see you to these other people. And the bloke, Vernon Kay, pinches his bottom. As he's going past. And so this other person says to me, he just pinched my bottom. And I went, did he? Thinking, I don't actually see it. But of course, right behind us, there's a camera. Because we are littered with cameras in this place. I'm thinking, oh, God. Not more controversy in the newspaper. Vernon Kay pinched my bottom. You know, we could just see it now. We thought it was quite funny, actually. We laughed at it at the time. Well, I laugh because he didn't pinch my bottom and come anywhere near me, but uh, there you go. Uh, so, uh, we're, we're, we're betting on black, which is good, so congratulations on that. Don't take my word for it, though. I have to exonerate myself and say that is purely a guess. Purely a guess, and uh, it'll, it'll never happen. But if it does work, then I'm Psychic Steve. Uh, Gary is in Edinburgh. Well, of course, you are. your name's Hamilton. If your name's Hamilton, where are you going to be apart from Edinburgh? And uh, little Gary says, I'm going to go to Loch Ness. How far is Loch Ness from Edinburgh? Is it, a, is it one of those, is it a long journey? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm not very good with the Scottish Highlands. I mean, I think it's beautiful. We think it's quite far, actually. Um, 
And so, you know, I, I've seen the Highlands and I've seen some of these baronial castles, which looked fabulous. And then in winter, you're going to get snow and it's going to be... Co- oh, I love some A roaring fire, toasting your chestnuts over it. Oh, God, that would just about suit me down to the ground. And I could be a very, very happy person. But the idea of sort of getting in the car. So, right. So here we go. So that's... Uh, oh, there's uh, Forfar, Abroth. Uh, Gary. It's a three and a half hour drive. It's about 168 miles. Oh, God, you'll never make it, Gary. Not in your little car. And there is Loch Ness. It's near Fort Augustus, Fort William, Glencoe, uh, Kinloch Leven. <laughs> Look at me doing Scottish. It's another language. And uh, Stirling, Loch Lomond and the Trossachs. I, often, I used to worry about people's Trossachs. They used to say, well, how are you feeling? I said, well, the Trossachs are not so good today. Uh, Inveray, it sounds nice. It's very sort of open, isn't it? I quite fancy going to the Cay and Gorms National Park. Or failing that, um, uh, Inverui. Do you think they've got a fish and chip shop in Inverui? But, uh, it's quite a nice little drive. It's what is? What is? Darren Adams. He's from Inverness, is he? It's obviously not that good because he's working down here. So, uh, uh, so Inverness. And there's a lot of there's a lot of water up there, isn't there? I'm assuming all these blue bits are locks. Are they locks? I think. Well, I hope so. Anyway, it's either that or they painted the roads blue. It's a bit difficult to tell, really. Or feeling that they're paddling their way up to Loch Ness. But no, it's, it's a bit of a long way for you, Gary. I wouldn't bother actually. He says I'm going to take a um, a picture with a legendary beast. That's never been tried before. Oh, wait a minute, it has. They made a film about it. Falkirk's nice, isn't it? Is that the newsreader's house? Blimey, that's very posh, isn't it? That's a, a baronial mansion, if ever there was one. They're obviously paying these people far too much money. Have you seen this? This thing's got more than ten bedrooms, ladies and gentlemen. That's what the newsreader... Honestly, they come down here, they're all lairds. That's what it is. They're all, he's got his own clan and everything. So, you know, that's, that's what makes it very interesting. Anyway, just don't want to be too late for this. Uh, the LBC News Time approaches. It's 4.30 and with the headlines for you this morning. Oh, it's Paul Smith. <laughs> Campino to... New to LBC. This is Katie Hopkins and I'm taking over the airwaves. Join me Sunday mornings from 10 on LBC. Oh, my God. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Katie Hopkins, part of the brand new lineup for weekends on LBC. You can also wake up to Andrew Castle every Saturday and Sunday morning from 7. And Tom Swarbrick's here from midday every weekend afternoon. To see the entire new lineup, head to lbc.co.uk. Make sure you're tuned in this weekend. And I'm here between five and seven, both days. Best of Steve Allen on Saturday and uh, the, uh, the paper annihilation on Sunday. Shirley who's very funny, is obviously a Sally. She's obviously got budgerigars. What does that tell you about her? And uh, they say she likes opera, guitar, wildlife, birds, gardens. And she says, uh, who is this Steve Allen? He sounds horrible. Well, he's more popular than you, darling, because you've only got 234 followers and she comes from Lincolnshire. And you know what they say? You go up the country, they get dumber, 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 and then you get to Lincolnshire. And you're practically talking to yokels, ladies and gentlemen. Or is it locals? I can't remember. Anyway, uh, Nick's listening at the moment. We're listening and chuckling. Thank you, which is a good start. And um, and Sally, talking about my uh, my coffee. I needed my coffee this morning, but I couldn't find a big coffee cup. I absolutely couldn't find. So I'm doing small coffee cups this morning, which is giving me tummy ache, which is ridiculous. Mark is um, trucking in Canada now and uh, podcasting. Very chilly at the moment. Very chilly this morning. And uh, a lot of people asking me about the uh, about the list. My friend Fat, uh, I say my friend Fat at the moment because he's uh, he's uh, thinking of uh, sort of having sort of a bit of a life change coming on. He started wearing hats. I don't know where he's got this idea from. He's decided it's later in the day and he's going to start wearing hats. So that's good. So he works. He works. He's up in Scotland as well. 
He's up in Scotland. He's going to phone me later on, so I've had to put the translator onto the telephone so we can uh, so we can actually have a proper conversation, uh, which is quite nice. And we take all your texts and emails. 84850stevenlbc.co.uk. Pat reckons she saw spam fritters in Asda. Oh, really? How nice. You must, you, must, you must email me a picture of them. Uh, I wanted to visit Loch Ness when I went to Glasgow, but once I realised it's a three-hour journey, I changed my mind and went to Loch Lomond. Yes, Loch Lomond. They've, they've, never done, they've always done songs about all the other locks, haven't they? Loch Lomond. But they've never done a song about Loch Ness. I don't know any traditional Scottish song. There is a little man who lives in a caravan, I believe. I believe, by the side of Loch Ness, a little Japanese guy. And he takes pictures every day, and he's found nothing in donkey's ears because there is nothing to find. It's a good story, but, you know, it's now, it's like, you know, myths and legends that we have spoken about on the programme in the past. Uh, Vernon Kay, again, every paper's running with this one. This is a very strange, a very strange sort of story because they don't normally worry about, about people's viewing figures, on television, it's, you know, it, but on this one, and because he, they say it's ended up as a car crash, only two million tuned in, uh, despite ITV having high hopes the primetime series would pull in the ratings. But two million in this day and age is not actually that bad, is it? There is a Loch Ness song. Is there really? Uh, apparently there is a Loch Ness song. It probably goes in Scotland. Here is the monster. Ooh, ar, ooh, ar, here is the monster. He's coming to eat us up. Here is the monster. Ooh, ar, ooh, ar. <laughs> probably done while people dance around swords. <laughs> I've never heard of a song about Loch Ness, but I suppose actually by, by the very fact that it's traditional, you would have to have that. I thought it was quite good making up a song on the spur of the moment. What do you expect for this time of the morning? Goodness sake, honestly. Uh, on the subject of bread pudding, I didn't manage to check out the bread pudding from Greg's. And my little stomach just wouldn't handle it yesterday. I decided it was probably a bit unsafe to go down the bread pudding route. I was very grateful for you all telling me about it, and it was and it was lovely. But I just I walked past the window and I thought, can I... Ri-? No, I just really can't. I really can't. I've decided maybe not for me. Not for me. Uh, creature seen from cable car wading in river. You know, you remember that uh, that that very odd picture of the Loch Ness monster from years and years ago, which was taken. And of course, now we've got digital cameras. We've got. I mean, I, I did a FaceTime with a friend of mine, Jordan, yesterday. And uh, I don't know if you, can you do FaceTime on every phone or is it just Apple phones? Just Apple, is it? Oh, right. And so uh, we were sort of texting backwards and forwards, which becomes a bit tiring after a while. You start misspelling and stuff like that. And so he said, should we do FaceTime? So we FaceTime for about 15, 20 minutes. And the quality of the picture is you're looking at television quality. It's almost high definition. It's absolutely amazing. If you've never done it before, it's, it's just it's fantastic. So in other words, you just hold the phone in front of you. They get an image of, of, of me well, whoever I'm phoning, and I get the image of them, and you can have a chat, and they can move the phone around, and it's just, it's just really nice. It was really good. So, you know, when you see a hazy picture of the Loch Ness Monster, and you say to yourself, you know, I mean, come on, in this day and age, they go, we've got a hazy picture of the Beast of Bodmin Moor and all these kind of places, and the Beast of Essex and all that kind of stuff. And you think to yourself, well, you know, <laughs> why, why do you not get a really decent picture? Because mine even eliminates the shakes. So, in other words, you take a picture of something... And then it automatically adjusts it. So it's, it's perfect. It's terribly clever. Terribly, terribly clever. I love it. Um, lots of people... I think we must be coming up, actually, to uh, the Grand National. Aren't we? When is the Grand National? Is it Saturday? Oh, lummy, I shall have to start uh, looking through the papers. Remember last year? Was it last year or the year before? I got second, third and fourth. 
second, I walked away with a bit of money the other time. I was quite uh, quite pleased about it. Uh, here's Harper Beckham having a nails done, posing for the camera. Uh, it's because otherwise, this must be a posed picture. Because these two people doing it, you know, you can't just take pictures of people and put them in the paper. They're going, what are you doing? So it's a posed picture as the uh, Beckhams exploit every aspect of their uh, very boring lives. They go out for dinner. That's him and her. They don't, you know, I don't know what they say to each other. I can't imagine what they talk about. I shouldn't imagine he's actually got anything to talk about. Oh, did a colouring today. Oh, OK. What, what else? I, I designed a dress. I, I, I don't know what I did today. I don't think he does anything. I don't think he gardens. We've never seen him doing gardening. Never seen him making anything. He's, he's a bit useless, isn't he, around the house? Although, actually, we've seen a picture of the house. It didn't look so special to me, considering how rich they're supposed to be. What if they've got offshore accounts? What if the Beckhams were in the offshore account league? Uh, Prince Harry, clear, you know, sorting out for the Invictus Games again. It's Prince Harry just sort of being basically having another photo opportunity, and that's all it comes down to. It's a photo opportunity, and, uh, and it's lovely, you know, but uh, not exactly a hard day's work, is it? Uh, front page of The Sun this morning, Wills and Kate terror threat. They've said, don't go uh, to India because police are hunting a gang of armed jihadis, well, then you might as well cross it off the list completely. Because, you know, they're not going to go away, these jihadis, are they? They're really not going to go away. You know, and I suppose you've got to think about the safety of everybody. Uh, last year's winner, Many Clouds in the Grand National, because we like to be current for you, is the current 8-1 to one favourite, as he attempts to become the first horse since Red Rum to win back-to-back runnings at the British uh, Aintree Marathon. Other hopefuls leading... So let me give you the latest odds. Many clouds, eight to one. The last samurai, ten to one. Could be an omen there because Tom Cruise is in the country. Uh, Silviniaccio Conti is 12 to one. Hollywell, 14 to one. 16 to one, the Druid's nephew. Does that sound, does that ring a bell for me? Shut the front door, 20 to one, together with Goon Yeller and Cause of, horse, cause of Courses. And I'm thinking, uh, what do I like here? Do I like any of these? Would I would I put money on Many Clouds, who's the current eight to one favourite? So at the moment you can get eight to one, can you? Oh. I don't know. Do I feel like the last samurai looks good, but I have a feeling that could come in third. Don't ask me why, I just see these in my mind. It's probably a load of old rubbish. It's like I can watch the television, and, and sometimes it's uncanny. You sit there, and they're doing an antiques programme, and they bring out an item, and they go, so, uh, this is so-and-so, so-and-so, what do you think it's worth? And I'll go, I think that's worth about £600. And they go, that's worth about uh, £650. I think, God, I'm psychic, Steve. So when I say I can see The Last Samurai, and I see it in my mind as number three, I certainly see it in a list... Whether it's this list, I don't know. Many clouds. Do I see many clouds in there? I might do, actually. I might do. Hollywell. You see, I'm looking at the odds and I'm thinking, you know, do you go... You see, I always go each way, which means it cuts down the odds considerably, as you know, as if I'd said oh, I'd, I'd like them all to win. But uh, if you get 20 to 1 and you put a fiver on, that's not bad, is it? I could be... Yeah, so you must gamble responsibly. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't really encourage you to gamble at all. But this is one of the ones that all the offices do around the country, isn't it? You know, but I can't do it here because I'm never in when they do the blasted sweepstake. So I get left out, which, of course, really... really, really. Others in danger of missing out. Uh, Besha Chase winner, Highland Lodge. Uh, Alvarado, who's twice finished fourth in the National. And the Cheltenham Festival winner, Cause of Causes, who's rated 21 to win the race. Mm. Several leading national contenders require withdrawals before Thursday's deadline if they're to be guaranteed a place in the race, which has a maximum of 40 runners. I don't know, I might have to just look at the whole list, actually. Uh, 2014 winner, Pino de Rey, now a veteran, 
is, is what could miss out, actually. It's listed at 46. Needs six defections to make the cut. <sighs> Bit of a worry, isn't it, really? Bishop's Road, number 41. Yeah, for inform rookie trainer Kerry Lee. Don't know, I still think last Samuel, I see that as three. Or do I see any higher than three? No, in my mind, I see Last Samurai in my list of winning horses. Ten to one. Might go a pound. Pound, honestly. Last of the big spenders. But you have to bet responsibly, as you know. So we'll wait and see, shall we? So that's on, uh, that's on Saturday, which, of course, is great because I'm not going to be around on Saturday. I'm going down to look at my friend's new kitchen, which is very, very exciting. So I'm looking forward to that as well. And uh, Lids, uh, Lynn says, uh, bread pudding straight from the oven is heaven. From the oven is OK, but homemade and still warm is the best. Sounds very nice, doesn't it? And uh, weather, I can tell you the weather for today. I don't really want to tell you the weather, but this is from uh, this is from Paul Smith. Cool and breezy, with occasional heavy showers. Here we go again. Today, largely dry at first, cloudy during the morning and early afternoon. Patchy rain, followed by brighter spells and occasional heavy showers in the afternoon, with a risk of, wait for this one, hail or thunder. Hello? Hail or thunder? And uh, what do we get for Friday? Mostly dry, a few showers. Uh, Saturday, starting cloudy and wet, becoming drier and brighter later. I've not had the car washed for ages. I know it's not something that bothers the majority of you, but I promise you, it, it sort of it worries me actually quite a bit. I feel I should do it. Uh, Steve, you're talking about round carrots. Uh, no, I have the packet of seeds. The newsreader bought me, Paul, a packet of uh, round seeds. I showed them to a friend of mine. He went, "That's just a joke." I said, "No, they're carrot seeds. Why would they bring out something that was a joke?" So I said, "No, I promise you, I'm going to grow them." I'm going to grow them, and then I'm going to bring them in, and then people will go, oh, right, round carrots. But uh, Stuart says you can get them, uh, round carrots by Mr Fothergill Seeds. Well, I've, I forget which ones I've got. They're called Paris Round, I think. Paris Round, which is, uh, which is quite good. Oh, here's the, uh, the lefty hypocrite. This is Russell Brand. You know, don't do what I do, do what I say. You know, because I'm like spending, because I live in a three and a half million pound pile, and I'm going to spend another million adding a swimming pool and a private cinema. Good God, they must have seen you coming, darling, if that's what they're charging for a private cinema. And a private screening room, you just put, it's just a room. You put a big screen at one end of it and put some big chairs in there. But uh, he's got a £20 million fortune. What he's said in the past is, I mean, he's just the ramblings of a deluded nobody. Very, very embarrassing. Very, very embarrassing. Uh, fears for a PC who's vanished. Uh, this is uh, murder squad detectives last night hunting for a policeman who vanished on duty. The Met's Homicide and Serious Crime Command yesterday took over the hunt to find PC Gordon Semple, who disappeared on Friday. He works in an anti-social behaviour unit attached to London's Westminster Council. Last spotted at 3pm, close to the Globe Theatre by the Thames. He'd been to meet a pal nearby at the Shangri-La Hotel, which is gorgeous. The plainclothes cop didn't get home to his partner in Greenhithe, but uh, somebody said he's happy-go-lucky. He had no reason to go missing. You just fear when when somebody's gone missing, and this is somebody who's um, who's been missing since Friday. You're looking at you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. When you're looking at six days, and I don't want to sort of you know be that prophet of doom, but they generally say if they don't find people within sort of like forty eight hours, then hopes start fading. But they did find that girl who went missing, didn't they? She was found safe, so thank God for that. Uh, there's also a story of. Um, of, uh, oh, no, I can't do that one. <laughs> just really, if it's in court, I can't do it. But it's, always, it's the headlines that grab me, first of all. And sometimes you read it, and you get to the end of the story, and you go, oh, goodness sake, it's still in court, which means it's some judice. Uh, so Janet Jackson is going to have her first baby at 49. Now, is this the reason 
that she cancelled the last tour. I only ask because they were going, oh, it's, uh, she had to cancel the tour. She doesn't have any comment on it. And people are speculating, does she have cancer? Is there some dreadful thing? No, she's going to have her first baby. Now, whether that was the reason first time round, I don't know. She's uh, 49. She had decided to plan a family with her billionaire husband, Wissam Al-Mana. Uh, who's a billionaire. I don't know where he gets his money from. It's always very interesting, isn't it? So she married him four years ago. Uh, she's had two previous husbands. And uh, then apparently uh, da, 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 she's been beset by health problems and cancellations. He's very young to be a billionaire. What was it who first attracted? Of course, you know, the Jackson family are oh, mad as fruitcakes. Seriously, Latoya Jackson and Janet Jackson, mad as mad as a toilet roll. I mean, really, they are so mad. But uh, at least you've got a billionaire husband, always useful. I suppose it gives him a profile, doesn't it? All of a sudden, people are going, who is he? So they're talking about him. You see them sometimes in the pages of Hello! magazine. I'll go through it in a minute, actually. I'm always fascinated by, by what sort of deadbeats feature in these magazines. And so at the moment, you've got poor old um, Peter Andre with M's. It's so funny because when you look at a picture, they have to make him look taller than her. Whereas, in fact, it isn't until you go inside, you realise... That he's a lot shorter than she is. But on the front picture, it's he's towering by a good foot above her. But of course, she's leaning down and he's standing on tippy toes. So don't be fooled by it because uh, boy not very tall, Peter Andre, is shorter than little M's. That's one expression, M's vacant look. Oh, look, camera, open wise eyed and take the picture. 14 to 5. This is LBC. Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. What everybody's listening to, it's ten to five. Actually, looking back at the uh, the photos in Hello! magazine of poor Peter Andre, on the front cover, he towers above little M's, who's made to look petite and girly. And then inside, uh, they've done a picture of them on the snow and their freebie holiday, so they can get some pictures of them doing nothing. It's a bit dreary, actually, but they must be that desperate for it. And so what they've done is they've piled the snow up, so he's standing on the snow... And she is distinctly a foot at least below him. So it makes him look as though he's sort of much taller. And then you see the picture of them standing inside and they've had to make her open her legs so that it takes her down a notch. She's still taller than he is. When they're actually standing on terra firma, he's like down here somewhere. He's like a Polly Pocket and she's she's above him. It's very embarrassing, very but very funny. Have a look. When you go past the newsagent, just have a quick look. It's, I, love, I love funny things like that. Poor little somebody called Anthony who says, picking on Eamon Holmes again. Now, I'm telling you a fact. Open your ears and don't be so naive and stupid. If somebody doesn't rate in television ratings, that's a fact, OK? I'm telling you that. If you, if you don't understand it, that's your problem. I can't help the terminally stupid. I can only point out something that is a fact. So he doesn't rate, OK? He can appear on lots of television programmes, but he's never going to be a ratings winner. They're never going to put him on primetime television. He's always going to have to be a guest on something. You know, they've tried him on everything. It doesn't work. You know, so he needs to sit there, you know, behind the desk at Sky News, where they're not particularly bothered about ratings anyway. But he doesn't rate. He's like Vernon Kay. God, honestly, sometimes you have to sort of bang people's heads against the wall, don't you, really? Wish you were here again. Yes, Colleen. Colleen, my God, you've got big thighs. And uh, going out wearing another one of those funny little outfits. Do you think the people on the beach go, oh, God, it's the chavs. The chavs are here. Quick, get out. And so they've got pictures of all these people who go on their holidays and just, just sort of lay around and, uh, you know, do what, what rich people do, which is good. I wonder if Colleen's got... Um, I wonder if Colleen Nolan's got offshore accounts. It seems to me that the entire world has got them, but I think most of them are dormant. And uh, a picture of Hugh Jackman. 
coming to the rescue of his son, caught in a riptide. Makes it sound very exciting. And then Hello Magazine is Mark Wright. God, he must spend most of his life shaving his body, poor soul. So, you know, can you undo your shirt, love? I mean, you know, he, d- he must shave it because I've never known anybody with so little hair. It's either that or he's not a man. I can't quite work out what it is. But uh, he's, he says, where, where would I be in five years' time? I thought probably divorced. I should imagine, but that's just me being cynical. Uh, the Beckhams. Uh, David reveals yet another tattoo. His life is so boring, he goes out. And uh, here are the royals again. And who do we get? Uh, it's an Easter parade. You get Princess Anne, who's looking more severe by the day. And uh, then you get uh, Tim Lawrence, who's been knighted for reasons best known to uh, somebody else. Uh, also, um, who else is it? Oh, you've got uh, Fergie's daughters. My God, you've never seen such a, a bunch of naff people in your entire life. They've just got no idea about dressing, have they? Not a clue. But I suppose if you're Beatrice or Eugenie, you know, you're not blessed with looks, so you might as well wear very expensive clothes. But work, that kind of eludes them. Zara Tyndall and that uh, bloke of hers who appears in just reality shows, Lady Gaga had a monster ball on her birthday. You know, when she's actually done up, she can look quite interesting. Whereas Kylie Minogue, I mean, just looks like she's being taken out for a sort of drag around the town, which is interesting. And uh, what else do we have? I like going through this magazine just to find out. Tara Palmer Tomkinson unveils new body of work. She's mad as a broomstick as well. I tell you, you'd have more luck talking to a, a fruit bowl. You really would. Uh, Christy Turlington, she's quite nice. Rod Stewart, he's shorter than his wife, so he's had to wear a hat to make him look a little bit taller, which doesn't quite work. And uh, Sarah Ferguson, oh yes, we saw this bag, didn't we, the other day, with pictures of her daughter on it. Is there something the matter with her? I mean, I don't want to be rude. I mean, what, is, this, is this normal behaviour to go out for an old woman of her age with, you know, emblazoning your bag with pictures of your, of your two daughters? I mean, what, where's she coming from? It's not normal, is it? That's a little bit... Perhaps she's a bit childlike. Perhaps there's something the matter with it. Perhaps she goes, Oh, lovely pops and pink ice cream. Goody, goody, goody. Oh, I'm going to marry Andrew. I love Andrew. Andrew's nice. Apparently, the reason they only got together, we are told in the press, is because they both told jokes about breaking wind. Which kind of... Oh, my God. Don't tell me Vanessa Feltz has done it as well. Oh, Vanessa, please, love, honestly. And those... You've got to start wearing clothes to hide that chest. Seriously, it's arriving in the room before you now. It's, it's just not, not good enough. But don't put pictures of your daughter on a bag. It's naff. It's cheap and horrible. It's the sort of thing Colleen Nolan would do. Oh, don't tell me she's done it as well. Oh, dear Lord above. Seriously, Lorraine Kelly. Oh, you're gorgeous. You're marvellous. She's not got a picture as well, has she? That was taken some time ago, wasn't it? Who else has... Oh, they're all done it. Good. Who's that one? I can't remember who she is. Oh, that's Jemima Goldsmith, isn't it? She's got one. Oh, look, David Furnish. What, the, what has he got? He's got? It appears to be a picture of Elton John on a bag. Not camp, are you, David? Not, not much, dear. Not much. Something eerie about him. I don't know what it is. I can't quite work it out. But actually, they had a lovely family picture taken the other day, proving that, you know, they've uh, proved the critics wrong. You know, people saying, oh, they won't last, they won't last. And here they are, still together, and still very much a, a tight family unit. It's lovely news, isn't it? Really nice. Anyway, just going back to, uh, to Hello Magazine. Who else we got here? Catherine Jenkins. I mean, the, the, the producer said to me the other day, said, would you like to talk to Catherine Jenkins? I said, talk to Catherine. Catherine Jenkins and I are practically married. Practically married. Uh, Paul Daniels, pictures from the, uh, from the funeral. And uh, they were all there. Uh, it was a humanist funeral and i think my auntie joan was a humanist funeral so it's kind of non-denominational and uh, and they do they, they have favorite bits of music it's lovely actually it's very nice you know if you're not one of these uh, people who uh, 
who sort of understands about religion or you don't feel that you're religious, well, then you can have a humanist funeral, which is quite nice. Uh, I'm now being followed by the horse whisperer. I don't think it's horse as in horse. I think it's H, somebody losing their voice. I like that, actually. Tom Swarbrick was talking about um, the, uh, the Loch Ness Monster thing the other day. I can't remember where he actually got to with it. I can't remember. And I did mention, I think I'm, uh, did I mention the other day? I can't remember. But the uh, the man who uh, who started Ballon's, Prady Ballon, died a couple of weeks ago. It hit the press in this country two days ago. But I spoke to a friend of mine and he said, no, he died a couple of weeks ago. And I I knew um, Prady from years ago. You know, not not in any particular, you know, going out for drinks and stuff like that. But I used to go in Ballon's a lot. And Prady would come and sit with us and we'd uh, always have a chat. Ever such a nice man. Ever such a nice man. Very nice man. And um, so very sad to hear of his passing. He wasn't, he wasn't very old at all. He really wasn't. He was found dead, I think, in, uh, in was it Miami or Los Angeles? One of the two, actually. Uh, what else we got? Uh, the Rolling Stones as they roll into town. And here's a picture of, that looks like, uh, Richard Gere with his girlfriend, Alejandra Silva. It's amazing, isn't it? And here's Ronnie and Sally Wood. I mean, seriously, he looks like a really badly made bed. And she's just, you know, as they've got lots of pictures taken. I don't know where the pictures are taken. Oh, it's in a hotel. I was going to say, if that's there. I've seen the picture of, uh, of Donald Trump's place. That's very nice. But this, uh, this hotel looks quite nice, actually. It's in Miami Beach. And uh, they get a nice... You think they'd be closer to the front, but there you go. Perhaps, he, perhaps they don't have as much money. And she's obviously revelling in it. And then the tribute's pouring in for Ronnie Corbett still. Lovely little Ronnie. And so they've done a nice little uh, feature. Oh, my God, there's a picture of Ronnie Wood here. He's so airbrushed. It almost looks like he's 30 years younger. Uh, living life in the fast lane. Vernon Kay doing an interview here, telling of revving up his career and why his family is his top priority. Am I reading the right thing here? Is this, is this printed some time ago? I think it must be. Uh, celebrity psychic, Tyler Henry. Celebrity psychic. Oh, another one of these people. I've never even heard of him. Have you ever heard of him? I've never heard of him at all. But here he is. He looks slightly fey, as most of these people do. Medium to the stars. He's a 20-year-old Californian. Oh, right. Oh, yes. And he's been to see the Kardashians. And so that, of course, then entitles you to go, celebrity psychic, you know. And they never picture their own downfall, do they? And, uh, and Tyler sits there and he talks to people. They've all done it, haven't they? He's also done drag star RuPaul, Cher and Russell Brand. Oh, God, all the same old, same old names that crop up again. Oh, in God's name is that. Tanya Bardsley. Anybody? Anybody on Tanya Bardsley? Oh, I watched The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills the other day. They were having one of their, their chats with the bloke who, who runs the programme. Oh, they were so vile. Two sisters, vile. Literally, one of them was screeching at her. And I wanted to say, listen, we know you're on drugs, dear. We've seen it. These people, are, they're looking so old now. And this, this Tanya Bardsley, who is she? Who is she? She's, she's obviously some old sort of, what does she do? Talking for the first time about her pregnancy, Joy. I would quite like to film the birth because this baby will be my last. I couldn't do this again. Where does she go? Oh, she's from the Real Housewives of Cheshire. That dreary pro... Have you seen that? What a pile of rubbish. Anyway, they managed to stick her in a few sort of odd outfits and try and make out that their house is really grand. Whereas, in fact, I'm looking at something that's quite pokey, actually. Quite pokey. But Diary of the Week is always my favourite. This is where you discover the the great and the good who go out to party, 90% of which you have never heard of or never will again. But they go out, they have their pictures taken... And the rest, as they say, 
is just pure fantasy. Coming up to the news at five o'clock this morning, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. We have just joined. It's nice to have your company. We take all your texts and emails, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. The thug who can't take a holiday in case he's burgled. You won't believe this story. You'll be be beating, you know, a path to my back door on this one. Save Mrs. Tiggy Winkle. I see that uh, they're heading for extinction. This is hedgehogs. They might disappear. Kirsty Walk wears tracksuit bottoms on television. Do you think Newsnight's lost the plot or she just can't be bothered or she's really chav? Pupils should have gardening lessons. Half of dog owners kiss their pets. And what was Pop's golden year? You'd be surprised, actually, when I tell you the answer. HSBC to close another 200 branches. And uh, the jogger clue as to who hit on Mr Big on John Goldfinger. Could it have been one of the joggers? We'll investigate after the news. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Oh, do tweet, for goodness sake. It's Thursday morning, ever nearer the weekend. It's nice to have your company. Are there any celebrities without offshore accounts? I'll explain what they are between now and six, because it's better that you're educated as opposed to just picking up bits and pieces from the newspaper. The country and western star Merle Haggard has died. Uh, Yesterday, it was his birthday. Diabetes on the global march. One in 11 is a victim. Japan unveils its invisible train. Uh, The worst gag by the best man. And uh, just like Mummy, Harper Beckham goes out with her own photographer. It's now getting to the point of desperation, ladies and gentlemen. And the granny who became the UK's oldest mother, she's costing us a fortune. She gave herself a Botox injection. There's something the matter with this person. There really is. And tea cake sales soaring. And the thug who can't take the holiday in case he gets burgled at home. Couldn't wish it on a nicer person. I'll tell you the story. Anyway, just going back briefly to uh, to Hello Magazine, as we tell you who the who the good and the great are as they go out, and they tell you what what the diary of the week is. And these these people are obviously very important, uh, although half of them I've never heard of. In fact, uh, there's a jeweller called Eugenie Niarkos. Means nothing to me. Means nothing to me, but probably to these people here. Uh, they've got actress Morgan Polanski with a denim bag and a model called Jessamine Bliss Bell. Somebody really is called that, Jessamine Bliss Bell. Uh, also, uh, Jazz Hadian and Marco Pierre White, son of the famed chef. Well, exactly the same name. He's another one of these peculiars with tattoos all up his neck. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, model Cara Rose Marshall. Never heard of her. Never heard of her. Where do these people work? Uh, then there was a, a bash in Mayfair, which had Daisy Lowe. But, I mean, she turns up to the opening of a fridge, doesn't she, really? And, um, and then another load of people I've never heard. A stylist called Grace Woodward, who's probably very lovely. But who are these people? There's obviously another world out there, isn't there? Are people that, that sort of go out to parties and we don't know who they are. Uh, in London, the Saudi billionaire... This is uh, Turkey, who's obviously a very insecure person, brings over all his cars, which are, which are sort of gold. He's got a, a lovely... Uh, in fact, uh, I do like the, uh, the Phantom that he's got, because it's very nice in gold. The others just look a little bit like they've wandered off a film set, which is a bit sad for him. I feel a bit sorry. His insecurity comes through really badly. Really badly. Uh, counting down to her fairy tale wedding, the former sugar babe, babe Heidi Range... I think I know Heidi Ranges. I think so. I think I roughly remember who the uh, who the sugar babes are. And um, another one. So we've got lots of pictures of her, which is all very exciting. And then moving through, I'm nearly at the end of the magazine. A lot of it is just sort of pages of, uh, of faff 
as they say, it's, you know, sort of who's wearing these glasses, who's not wearing these glasses, you know, curlers, and then, you know, various people take out pages and pages of adverts. So for actually, it's, it's, it's obviously more aimed at women, this magazine. And, uh, and it's, in fact, actually, all the last pages are just that. It's just adverts for all these, all sort of makeups, And then, just to really make it absolutely hilarious, Jeff Brazier's Lemon Mushroom and Chicken Pasta. <laughs> God, I mean, it's hilarious. Hilarious. Jeff Brazier's Lemony Chicken, Mushroom and Chicken Pasta. What do they put him down as? They don't put him down as anything. But he's obviously got to the end of his career now where he's advertising mushrooms. What can we find for Jeff Brazier to do? Let's get him advertising mushrooms, shall we? And so they've got a picture of him. His hair's gone back to this sort of dark colour again now, and there's quite a bit of makeup and airbrushing, but he's now TV personality, Jeff Brazier. I wasn't aware he was even on the television anymore. I thought he was a life coach. I don't quite understand what life coaches are. I did try to understand it a while ago. Somebody was trying to explain to me what a life coach is. Don't call me selfish. For the IVF triplets. This is what the Gran says the other day. This is Sharon Cutts. I mean, she's as ancient as the hills. And she's with her partner. So they're not married. And she's now got, what is it, seven children? But uh, she paid for IVF £22,000. She spent three months in an NHS hospital after losing blood at 23 weeks. And uh, and uh, she's been banned, branded selfish and a waster of NHS cash. And so, of course, she's hit back, as indeed she would. She's here with her badly dyed hair, her tattoos all over the place, and no doubt she'd be selling a story. But to be honest with you, you know, I mean, I think the, uh, the NHS is in enough trouble without people like this being a drain on it. Uh, Son Charles 21 says, I'm happy, she's happy. So they're obviously a family of many words. Uh, also daughter, Amy Cutts, 19, who has a, a girl called Elizabeth, Said it was a bit strange as the triplets are younger than Lizzie, but now I don't mind the more the merrier. Yes, it's good, actually. So does she work? Uh, Sharon's a mum of four before the birth says, as a nurse, I know the NHS is under pressure. I don't think I'm adding to it. Their biggest problems are because of lack of staff and equipment, not people like me. No, dear, it's because you're a drain on it. You've already got four children. I mean, I quite understand that people go, oh, I like lots and lots of children. Well, if you want them, pay for them. Hope to God you're going to keep working. But nice to think your husband's or boyfriend's working as well. I'm sure he must be. Sure he must be. But she's got, uh, you know, all these children. She says, uh, I was never against the pregnancy. The negative comments are just mean. You're an old woman, dear. You're 55. You know, to have three children is just, it's selfish. But that's people's opinion. People are allowed to have an opinion. If you don't like it, well, that's kind of tough, isn't it, really? You know, we're in a free country. We can say things like that. Uh, Ollie Mers and Caroline Flack. Uh... Uh, forced or faced constant speculation they were secretly in love. Well, I mean, you wouldn't want to go with that one. I mean, Caroline Flack's a loser. I mean, they had to make a big point about the fact that um, that she's cut her hair when she appeared on Celebrity Juice. It was really pitiful to watch. But uh, right now, even a friendly kiss between the pair seems unthinkable. Uh, they've stopped speaking. Uh, I'm not at all surprised. Uh, I mean, whether it's true or not, I couldn't care less. You know, Ollie Murs, I'm sure, has got a musical career. You know, being a presenter. I love the way... I said before, people go, oh, I think I'll be a presenter. And you go, but you're not any good at it. I mean, Caroline Flack is a classic example of somebody who can't present. It's, re- it's, it's really... It's as simple as that. There's no hard and fast rules about it. You can either do it or you can't do it. I watched somebody the other day doing a quiz. And, and, and so you get the contestants to do the question. So the question is, for example... Uh, who is Calvin Harris seeing at the moment? And then the presenter of the quiz repeats what the contestant has just said. 
So I say, so which celebrity is Calvin Harris seeing now? And the presenter goes, so what celebrity? And you're like, why are you repeating it twice? We've already heard it, unless you think we're deaf or something. They really do look down their noses at you, because you can find lots of stupid people, and there are some dumb people out there who appear on quizzes. You know, even the more intelligent ones turn out to be as stupid as they come. And so, but it was this constant repeating. And I felt like writing and going, well, why don't you just have the presenter reading the question? What's the point of the other person reading it for the presenter then to repeat it? It was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, James, you won't. OK. Jim is in Woking, listening in Hong Kong. Lovely. And uh, when are you going to do an in conversation with Anne Hegarty? Go on, I'll ask, I'll ask the, the, the producer if he knows who Anne Hegarty is. You see, the, the benchmark of in conversation is they've got to be known, you know, by people. So if you throw out a name like Anne Hegarty, and he goes, no idea, not a clue. Once, once I tell him who she is, he'll then know, but he wouldn't know her name. She's the woman who is on the chase she does. She's one of those people, isn't she, who sort of sits there. She's she's the big woman. There's some blokes and everything else. And she's up. But you wouldn't know her name. If somebody had said to me for a million pounds, who's Anne Hegarty? I'd have had to go actress because we, we wouldn't know. So that's the that's the benchmark. That is the benchmark. Eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co dot UK. And uh, it's uh, lovely. Everybody looking forward to uh, Katie Hopkins arriving for the weekend. Going to be very fiery. Better brace yourselves, actually. If, 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 you're, if you're somebody of a nervous disposition, uh, I really think maybe you should take some sort of tablets or something before she comes on, just to calm yourself down. Or sit in a darkened room, or failing that, just sort of put headphones on so that her voice can waft around in between the empty spaces of the clouds and the dust and the, uh, and the tumbleweed and things like that. Because she's, she's going to annoy you. I know she's going to annoy you. You know, that's that's what she does. She'll say something. Ninety nine percent of people will agree with her and there'll be the one percent who goes, I think this is outrageous. But uh, no, she says what everybody else is thinking. It's going to annoy you. I know it is. But that's what radio does. It's a, it'd be a bit bland, wouldn't it? It would be very bland if she didn't provoke some sort of reaction. Nobody wants beige, ladies and gentlemen. If you're going to have a, a radio presenter and they're going to be saying things on the on the programme, then you don't want beige. What you want is somebody who's multicoloured completely across the spectrum. And uh, and that's when it works. Because you've got to get people thinking. There's, there's no point, you know, if, if people don't actually think, and they go, oh, I don't agree with that. It's great to produce some sort of reaction. And that's what I, that's what I like. I like to get a reaction from people. But I don't say it for a reaction. That would be silly, wouldn't it? Very, very silly. Uh, Nicola says, uh, love balance, bread basket and cocktails. Miss the old Compton Street Cafe. Uh, really? Well, as far as I know, I was still there the other day. Uh, another one here very quick. Oh, Neil. Morning, Neil. He says, I planted my round carrot seeds yesterday. I'll keep you... Pa- I know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do mine today. I'm going to do mine. And a happy 82nd birthday to Barbara, who is Lorraine's mum. Bless her. He said, uh, I've just got home from, from Harlow Casualty. Paul Lorraine's mum had a fall at her home during the night. Tests are underway. So good luck to her there. Good luck to her there. Incidentally, for those people who ask me, every year, when are you doing your Magic Circle show? Christmas. Christmas. I've got a date which is uh, pencilled in, which I will tell you about. Uh, I'll probably know tomorrow. I would think I'll, I'll probably know about it tomorrow. And then I shall uh, let you know. Because we always do our show at Christmas. And you get to come down to the Magic Circle. 
you get to see some really super close-up magicians. I mean, you know, really good close-up magicians. And uh, then we do a stage show. You can go to the museum and you can meet lots of like-minded people because you'll all be LBC listeners. That's how you hear about it. So uh, details of that coming up, hopefully on tomorrow's program. I'll let you know. They phoned me yesterday and said, uh, when do you want to do it? I said, pardon, who is this? I thought it was Vernon Kay again. And I, I, was, I was preparing myself, but it turned out not to be. Where are the vainest men living? It comes as no surprise to me that they're in Essex. The vainest men are in Essex. Men in Chelmsford. Chelmsford, I ask you. I like Chelmsford. Are the vainest in Britain. Chris and Steve will be going, I don't think so. Uh, fellas in the Essex town spend an average of 89 minutes a day trying to look their best. Brighton is second. You are joking. Have you been to Brighton? God, there's nobody attractive in Brighton at all. Followed by Liverpool and Newcastle. What? There's nobody attractive. Nobody attractive. Liverpool? Dear me. And uh, they, they logged time on grooming, picking clothes, gym tanning and other beauty treatments. Men of Chelmsford, hometown to Harry Judd. There's a man whose pictures on the internet kind of get your eyes opening just a little bit wider than uh, dinner plates. Uh, he checks himself at least three times in the mirror after dressing. Good Lord. So where are the other places? London is at number six. Bristol is at five. Manchester, eight. Uh, rate, wait, rate down there. At the end, at number ten, it's Southampton. But it's Essex men who are the vainest. I think it just means looking after yourself, doesn't it? I don't think it means vain looking in the mirror. I mean, we all look in the mirror just to make sure that we're not sort of lopsided or something like that. So, uh, so I suppose to a certain extent, we are all a little bit vain. So you might as well add Leicester Square into that one as well. Uh, quarter past five. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Did you see that story in the paper the other day of a guy who's severely handicapped and uh, he can't speak. Uh, he's in a, a wheelchair, but his big treat is going out to a restaurant and they go to the same restaurant every week and he has like birth bourguignon and red wines and whatever it was, it was, it was lovely. Anyway, they're, they're sitting in this restaurant. He's in his wheelchair and his, uh, his carer is there as well. And they get talking to the, the family at the next table because the food is taking a little bit of a while to arrive. And, um, and they're chatting anyway. At the end, the other couple finish uh, the family and they leave and they go, enjoy, enjoy your day. And of course, he can't speak, but he's, you know, he's obviously in his mind, he speaks in his mind, he speaks. And um, and then they go to get the bill. And it turns out that the family at the next table have paid their dinner bill. They've paid their bill. And he got so excited that when, when the carer said, listen, there isn't any bill, it's been paid for. Admittedly, it was only 20 quid. So obviously they just had, you know, two sort of mains or something like that. But a nice gesture when people do things like that. I went to do that once. I saw an old lady in the street. She, she used to be a regular around Leicester Square. We've had it a couple of times, haven't we? The one that nearly reduced me to tears and the, uh, and the old lady who used to have cardboard wrapped around her shoes. And, she, and I wanted to give her some money. Because I thought, and then, I mean, she literally had a shopping trolley. She was pushing around with her belongings on it. And uh, she didn't want to know. Didn't want to know. Which I thought was quite interesting, because you remember the story of the girl um, who was out there in the rain picking up cigarette ends from the things. And uh, she was picking them up from plant pots. And, uh, and, I th and it was raining, and she was wet, and her feet were wet, and so I gave her some money. And uh, it d does make you feel a bit better, I promise you. You know, sometimes you can help out people who are less fortunate than yourself. I'm surrounded by them here. I mean, honestly, people who are less fortunate than me. And I think it's quite nice. You know, so sometimes I come in and I buy them a little present or something like that. And, uh, or just, you know, because it's, it's just a nice thing to do. 
And uh, as I've said, you know, a million times before on the programme, I'm not very good at receiving gifts. I find it a little bit difficult. A little bit difficult. I'm, I'm sort of better at giving gifts. I quite like giving gifts because I think, you know, it's like if I went out to, hypothetically, tomorrow, the Kentucky Fried Chicken and bought, you know, some Kentucky Fried Chicken, I'd have to share it with the people in Paul Cooper's shop. I couldn't eat it by myself. That would just be awful, wouldn't it? So you've got to share it. So if you go out and buy cakes, you've got to buy cakes for everybody or sausages for everybody because otherwise it just looks a bit mean. And I quite like doing that. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm very good at that kind of thing because it sort of, it works for me. Don't ask me where it comes from. You know, most people go, oh, look, give me presents, give me presents. <laughs> Whereas me, I'm not but I'm not particularly worried. I'm happier when I'm giving presents away to people than I am uh, receiving them. That does, this does not mean to say, ladies and gentlemen, at Christmas time, you miss me out completely. Because we still, do you know, I'm still getting, up until about a week ago, I was still getting birthday cards. Still getting, still getting birthday cards. Uh, Steve, uh, we have uh, booked our tickets for the Stones exhibition. This is Diana in Richmond, the Saatchi Gallery. Uh, we've to be at the Sloan Square Gallery at the crack of 11 o'clock. Having been a fan since their beginnings in 63 in Richmond and Twickenham, it'll be great. We knew they'd go far back then. It looks good. It does look really good, actually. It, uh, it's, they've got clothes. They've got, I think there's more than 500 items. And I'm always fascinated. The, the ones I was most fascinated was uh, the David Bowie exhibition at the V&A. I mean, typical of the Rolling Stones, they're having it at the Saatchi Gallery. How much do you have to pay, actually, for those tickets? Just a bit of interest. I'm quite, I'm quite curious to know whether or not this is, um, whether it's a very expensive thing to do, because it's the Saatchi Gallery, because they all do it. And you discover that all these pop people save all their stuff. Although, I'm led to believe that there's a couple I've interviewed recently who don't keep all their stuff. They've sort of, they've sort of given it away, and it would be worth it. You know, when you, all, you think all these things, I mean, I'm a terrible hoarder. I'm one of these people who hangs on to things. So, in fact, you can track my career with LBC through, you know, theatre posters. Sorry, not theatre posters, but advertising posters that we've had done over the years. And uh, mugs and milk bottles. And at one time, I used to have every T-shirt and sweatshirt because they'd given them to us. If we went out to do a, an outside broadcast, they'd give you a sweatshirt and you put the sweatshirt on, which signified. So, the uh, exhibitionist in the Rolling Stones, this is uh, an adult ticket. This is for a fortnight today, incidentally. Uh, there's also a £3 booking fee, which is included in this price, I think. So, an, a, a family, one adult and three juniors, which is four, uh, is £53. Two adults and two juniors is £53. Uh, concession valid for disabled visitors and their helpers, full-time students and over 60s. £20. Thank God for that. And uh, junior 6 to 17. There are advantages to being a bit older. I've suddenly worked this out, actually. This is really cool. If you're over 60 now, you get discounts on things. Not that I know anybody over 60, but I was going to say, if I had reached over 60, I'd be getting a discount. I could go for £20 to this, whereas, in fact, normally it's £22. It's not bad, is it, really? I quite like the idea of a discount. Uh, but I also hate the idea that they don't sort of ask you, sorry, this is for the over 60s and things like that. And so I don't like to say anything. I don't like to say anything like that. So we're actually having a look Thursday, 21st of April at uh, three o'clock. And uh, do, do you have tickets? Are you booking them now? Oh, they've got VIP ticket. What's a VIP ticket? I'm a VIP. These these tickets were able to purchase online at 60, <laughs> 60 pounds for a VIP. T- Maybe I'm not a VIP, actually. But uh, that's not. But what, what, what do you get for a VIP ticket? 
The VIP ticket is two session visits on separate days. No need to specify session time and date in advance, and you jump any queues. Whee! Plus you get a souvenir ticket and a lanyard. I love a lanyard. You can't beat a lanyard. I mean, that's, I've got one here, look. That's my lanyard. So excited, honestly. I've got it. I love that. Colour and movement. They love that next door. You wave it out and they go, he's got a lanyard. Quite an important thing. I've got quite a few at home of, of sort of lanyards and stuff like that. And uh, apparently, up in Falkirk, which is in Scotland, they've got horses. Horses? Down, down the main streets. They're driven up and down there by cattle rustlers. And um, and then uh, Paul, Paul has sent me a lovely picture, actually. A very sweet picture, actually. Uh, I'm just sort of trying to make sure whether it goes to HR or not straight away, or whether we just hang on to it for about another week. <laughs> what are Kelpies? What are Kelpies? Oh, the horses are the Kelpies. So down here we have Shetland ponies and stallions, and you've got Kelpies. Why do they just sound like a camp version of a horse? Oh, today we've got... We've got Kelpies and, uh, oh, right. Oh, th- is this a fountain you sent me a picture of with uh, with a horse which looks like it's being mounted by a frog? Um, <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, it's a, s- a rather strange thing to have in Falkirk. But, of course, if you live in Falkirk, you'll understand the significance of this one completely, won't you? It, it, it was probably a court case some years ago in the 1800s, I should imagine. Kelpies. So, uh, so lovely horses. I like it, actually. We have horses round my way. As well, people put them... Yeah. You, oh, right, they're very famous, are they? Oh, right. Have you heard of the Lipazanas? The Lipazanas are quite nice. Do you like Lipazanas? As in what? Are they lizards? No, no, they're, they're Lipazanas. They, you don't know what they are, do you? They're... Uh, here we go again. It's a little bit of an education here. They're uh, horses uh, in Austria. They're from the Spanish Riding School. They're horses that can rear up and they dance, and uh, and they're lovely. They're very muscular. Very. They've been at Zippo Circus. I don't think so. I think that would just be a white horse. These are Lipizzanas. They use them. They're highly controlled. They do jumps. They make the horse... Were they really? Zippo Circus with some Lipizzanas. God, honestly, the things you discover. Uh, Twickenham Green, were they really? Oh, right. Oh, there you go. Actually, I've got the most interesting thing ever, which somebody sent me in ages ago, and it's Bertram Mills, who used to have a big circus in this country. I've got his inkwell from his desk, from his secretary, who was given it as a, as a, as a gift, and she's given it to me, and I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's beautiful. But, uh, yeah, so the Zippo Circus have Lipizzanas. Lovely. But they, when you see them in the Spanish riding school, they all go round. It's all, it's, it dates back to God knows when. But all these Lipizzanas trace their bloodlines to eight stallions going back to the 18th century. That's what they do. And they're, but they're not there in the summer. They're only there in the winter. They go out of town in the summer. So whenever people say to me, I'm going to Vienna in the summer, shall I go and see the Spanish riding? So you can go and see it, but there won't be anything going on there because they're out in the fields. And uh, I think they've got about 11,000 horses in 19 countries of, of Lipizzana status. I love a good circus. I love a, I really love a circus. I'm, I do, I get a spinny thing. We went to pantomime one year. I went down, my friend Chris Jarvis was doing pantomime in Bournemouth. Uh, he was from CBeebies, C- still is from CBeebies. And he, he did this pantomime. He brought in all the set and all the rest of it. And there was about six of us went down there for a weekend to sort of have a riotous night out and all the rest of it. And we got the spinny things and all the rest of it, which are all the multicoloured lights. Unfortunately, they gave me a few glasses of wine. 
I was a bit noisy. I was shouting out, you know, kill him! You know, even before we got to the fast of the robbers and things like that. So much so that the family in front of us asked to be moved. <laughs> we were so noisy. I didn't care. What the hell? Goodness sake. It's the whole idea of pantomime, isn't it? You can go there. And circuses, are, I love circus. I, think, I like the, the idea of it. And I, the thing I like about circus is not because I've followed the history of it, going back to Lord George Sanger, who had a big circus down at Waterloo, but Rico Circus, which was that great book, the, the, the Bible for all circuses, and, which is Lady Eleanor Smith's guide to British circus. And she follows Rico, which was a northern circus. But it's the fact that it packs up. It's a town on the move. It goes there. The, the tent arrives in advance. They map it all out with uh, guy ropes and all these young, muscular people come in and they uh, and they erect the tent and then they put the interior in and then the seats and everything else. They all live in caravans. It's brilliant. Bigger. It, yeah. Well, me too. And uh, me too. Straight away. Absolutely. You watch these people putting up and I think, do you know, if I had the strength, I'd hold a guy rope, you know, uh, but I, I haven't got the strength. of it. And I thought I'd like to quite join a circus, but I'd have to do something really dull like, you know, popcorn. I said, no, I couldn't be ringmaster. No, I'd be angry. Are you ready now? They're wait. Are you ready now? How much longer do we have to sit? Bring on the clowns. Scary people. Bring them on. They're always good. I could be. It's very difficult to be a clown. You have to register your face. Did you know that? Every single clown registers with Clowns International and your face is painted on an eggshell. And that's nobody else can use your makeup. But in your case, we'll probably make an exception. And they, no, because some people like wearing makeup a lot of the time, actually. But clowns, it's all unique to me. You get either the white face clowns or the knockabout clowns or the buckets of water clowns and all that. I don't want to do anything that's messy. I can't do anything that's messy, but I love a circus. Absolutely love it. And uh, Zippo's is, is probably one of the biggest. I went to Billy Smart's when they came back a few years ago up at uh, Clapham Common. And uh, I was taken round. It was like a VIP tour. And uh, the Smart family showed me their caravan. I say caravan. It was towed behind the biggest truck you've ever seen. And this thing cost £150,000. Built in Spain. You push a button and two sides come out. The back came out. It had everything. It had two double bedrooms, a bathroom, a kitchen. I mean, it was really flat. More than I got. So I thought then I maybe would run away and join the circus. Or the fun fair. We'll have to go to the fun fair, won't we? Next time the fun fair comes to town, we'll have to go, and that'll be a big one at Hampton Court. I don't want to go this year because it was roadworks. But uh, so, but the circus as well. I love the circus. We can sit there and have mivvies and popcorn and everything and be loud and raucous. LBC News time now. Nick Ferrari at breakfast every weekday morning from 7, only on LBC. With Hampton by Hilton. From a great night's sleep to the perfect breakfast included. I love the fact that yesterday Nick Ferrari said to her, get on your bike and chase after him, try and get an interview with him. But it didn't happen. Business leaders on Nick uh, this morning at breakfast say the housing crisis is a threat to London's industry. Can the capital survive if it isn't tackled? And is it pushing you out? Plus, Nick will be asking the Defence Secretary, Michael Fallon, why the government spent £9.3 million on leaflets that will tell you why it thinks we should stay in the EU. Have you ever discovered anybody who's looking forward to a leaflet? People have made up their own mind. £9.3 million. Me. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari at uh, breakfast. Looking at the papers today, it's, oh, it's Andrew Pearce. Andrew Pearce, who's got a brand new Friday evening show here from tomorrow on LBC. So uh, he'll be in today. Daily Mail columnist and consultant editor as well. So I like Andrew, actually. So he's got a new show on Friday. So I'm still running seven days a week. And uh, so I'm here Monday through Friday between 4 and 6.30. Then we have a free podcast for you every day. And to get hold of it... 
All you have to do is go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Follow the instructions. It's free to download. And then we send you the free podcast every day, which is our gentle look at, uh, at some of our favourite celebrities. We like looking at celebrities, including Peter Andre. But we do think the funniest pictures today are definitely in Hello! magazine, where they've tried to make Peter Andre look taller than the girlfriend. I mean, I think that that has to be my favourite, and I'm hoping, really, that uh, the Private Eye pick up on this one. Or failing that, some of the other newspapers. That's something I see very interesting enough, because the front-page picture, he's taller than Ems, who has the one look vacant. And uh, inside, he's standing on a taller bit of the snow to make him look as though he towers above her. It's only when they're standing in a room together that you realise he's shorter than she is. And they've had to make her open her legs. Well, obviously not too much difficulty there, you know, because he's obviously used to having sort of pictures taken. And so she's had to sort of... So she looks like she's about to take off on a ski jump and he's sort of looking at her. But in fact, the height he is, he's looking at her neck. Because if he looked at her face, he'd have to... He'd be angled upwards. It's hilarious to look at. I love stuff like that. I don't mean that in a cruel way. I mean, believe it. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not that sort of person. <laughs> of course I am. Of course I am. I love things like that. How can you not like it? It's so interesting. And everybody knows that everybody's airbrushed. You want to see the Steve Allen uh, brochures that we had printed for the shows for some years ago. I was so airbrushed, even I didn't recognise me. Seriously, I had no idea. I went to that. Who's that? And they went, that's you. I said, is it? I think they got a bit, ca- I think they'd had a sherbet when they started doing it. And gradually I became more sort of emaciated. I started looking a bit like Victoria Beckham. More hair, of course. And, uh, and a better bust. But anyway, I mean, who the hell cares? And so he brought out the brochure. And, and it was lovely. It was very, have you ever seen one of my, I have to bring one in actually. To give one to the, uh, to the producer, which would be good. I quite like that. Um, so, uh, Tom Swarbrick is taller, says James. He certainly is. He's at the weekend. I'm seven days a week now. So, Saturday morning is uh, the best of Steve Allen between five and seven. Sunday morning, I'm live with the papers between five and seven. And in conversation, still saying where it is at nine o'clock at night. And so you can download it. And uh, this weekend, good. I know that I'm pretty certain that Don Cheadle's going to be on this weekend. You've got to hear that conversation. It's really, really good. And and I'm not sure who the other one's going to be. It's always a surprise. Yeah, the producer goes, da-da, let's put somebody on there. And I go, yeah, that'll be nice. Uh, did you ever meet uh, Charles Hawtrey, says Cliff? No, no. Um, he was a personal friend of mine. He was a very private man. I always remembered that um, he unfortunately was barred from every pub where he lived because he was a bad drunk, as you know, Cliff. And uh, he had a fire one day in the place where he lived. I think he lived down on the coast, Charles Hawtrey from the Carrions. And uh, the papers had a picture of him standing out there looking a bit vacant with his glasses on because he was a big star from the Will Hay movies. And then, strangely enough, because he was camp as Christmas. I don't think anybody could ever be camper or more arch than Charles Hawtrey. There was a book written about him and I think it was called something about Private Whittle. That's what I'm pretty certain. Book on Charles Hawtrey. Uh, I think it's called The Man Who Was Private Whittle. I'm pretty certain. I think that was from Carry On Up the Kyber. I'm pretty certain. Uh, Written by Patrick. Um, Wait a minute. We're just having a quick look here. He was born in Hounslow, died in Deal. Actually, he'd, he'd have been surprised, actually. But he did tonnes of films from the 1922s all the way up until, I think, 1972. He was still making... He did all the... Uh, he did all the carry-ons. He did carry-on sergeant, carry-on nurse, carry-on teacher, carry-on cousin. He always played a man who lusted after women. I seem to remember, you know, when he did carry-on cowboy, he was the campus cowboy there. He did carry-on camping, of course, was that classic one, you remember. Uh, carry-on Henry, carry-on at your convenience. He designed toilets in that. And in carry-on matron, he was a man who was experiencing... Um, 
palpitations as his wife was about to give birth and carry on abroad. He was just... But they always put him with busty women. So people used to think... A bit like uh, Frankie Howard. All the, all the great camp comedians... Uh, they sort of, Frankie, how are you lusting after these women? Of course, that was the last thing he was interested in. But uh, he did loads of these things. But he definitely had a, he definitely had a, had a book, and it was called The Man Who Would Be The Man Who Was Private Whittle, and it was by Patrick Somebody. Well, I'll find it actually. It'll be here somewhere. Wait a minute. Uh, the Match Right. Uh, the Man Who Was Private Whittle. He also features in Robert Ross's The Carry On Story, which came out in 2005. But in fact, the interesting thing was, Charles Hawtrey's work dried up. And so he used to write to the BBC, as you probably know, Cliff. And he would write under different names, saying, uh, is it not about time that you employed that, uh, that marvellous actor, Charles Hawtrey? And they would write back to him, going, unfortunately, we don't have anything at the moment. He did... Uh, he, uh, he played parts in radio plays. He did all sorts of things. He guarded his relationships quite carefully uh, because, in fact, homosexuality in, uh, you know, in, in the city was illegal and it was punishable by a prison sentence. But he, he did own this house and he did get barred for, from loads and loads of places because he was, he was drunk. He hit the headlines when he, his house caught fire in 84. He'd gone to bed with a much younger person, male, and had left a cigarette burning on the sofa. He was always with a cigarette, always with a cigarette. And then they had uh, a, a picture of uh, a very emotional Charles Hawtrey being carried down a ladder. He used to wear a toupee. He was carried down a ladder by a policeman. And he died. Uh, I think he, he collapsed. If I remember, I think it was the Royal Hotel in Deal. And uh, I think, with hindsight, I think he shattered his femur or something like that. Anyway, he was rushed uh, by ambulance to, I think... I think it would have been the Bucklands Hospital in Dover. And uh, he then had some vascular disease, a condition of the arteries, brought on by this lifetime of heavy smoking. He was told, and this was all documented at the time, that uh, to save his life, he'd have to have his legs amputated. And uh, he refused because he said, he said, I want to die with my boots on. And so he died at the age of 73. His ashes were scattered, not far from us, actually, Mortlake Crematorium, close to Chiswick in London. No friends or family attended. Is that a shame? Is that a shame? I mean, admittedly, he was a bad drunk. He was, you know, one of those people, and and you know, he 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 could be quite quite nasty at times, quite nasty. But it was, uh, you know, and he would discuss it. He's, he used to take his mother on to set, I thought, and they would sit there and uh, and you know, his mother's. I think at one point her handbag went on fire. She dropped a cigarette in it, and Charles just went, "Mother, your handbag's on fire," and poured a cup of tea into it, and so extinguished it. It was quite a character, and I saw him interviewed on a on a chat show once. But uh, to sober him up was the. Uh, was was the trick, was the trick. But again, he featured in so many films, so many films. But I mean, 73, not a bad innings for a man who spent most of his life drunk and with a cigarette in his mouth. But it's that awful that no friends or family attended his funeral. He used to bake a cake, apparently, and sing to me, says Cliff. Good Lord. So there you go. All the things you, uh, you learn about Charles Hawtrey on this programme. It's available on Amazon, apparently, uh, for a penny. Probably about £2.50 to get it uh, sent to you. That's the way it works, isn't it, really? Uh, Debbie says, eye injections or laser therapy for diabetic uh, retinopathy and glaucoma is treated by special eye drops. Yes. Joseph Grimaldi, the late 1700s, early 18, who've entered the modern-day clown. He first designed the modern-day face makeup, and uh, that was Joey's. That was Joey's. Uh, and uh, somebody says, I grew up in the 60s, Steve. Love going to the circus. And I remember young people would run away from home to join the circus. Common occurrence. Yes, and also uh, running 
uh, running away to join fun fairs. People ran away from home to join the fun fairs. So you'd get sort of, you know, rough layabout types working on, on the waltzer. I wanted to do that. I wanted. I thought to myself, if I'm going to run away anywhere, I can run away and join a fun fair or a circus. And then I thought, I'm not quite glad I didn't, to be honest with you, because I don't think I'd be sort of doing the same... Well, I wouldn't be doing the same sort of thing at all. But you wonder, don't you, if you could go back in your life, as a lot of people say, would you do things differently or would you do them exactly the same? Because I don't know whether my life would have turned out any differently had I done things differently. But because you don't know, because you make different decisions... I mean, I didn't intentionally come into this business. I kind of got it by default. And I'm blooming well hanging on to it with both hands and both legs and gripped between my knees. You know, don't give up things like this very easily. And that's what people say to you. How do you get into the business? And I go, well, we do have a global academy. Which is uh, setting up very short... Do you know, sometimes this programme's effortless, isn't it? It just flows. It's almost like a little river in Falkirk. Little river and then big river and then houses just washed way down there. And uh, horses... <laughs> no, exactly. People don't know where Falkirk is. Find it on a map. It's lovely. There's a great sign. I think it's twinned with somewhere, isn't it? Probably. It's somewhere in France. They always twin it with somewhere in France. And, and I never understand why towns get twinned with somewhere in France or wherever it happens to be. You think, do people go there and go, I'm from Falkirk? You know, like the people in France are going to go, Maui. And you go, Falkirk, we're from Falkirk. We're twinned with you. We're moving in. And so, um, Grangemouth. Grangemouth? Is that twinned with it as well? I don't think so. I don't... Oh, Falkirk's a district, isn't it? Oh, right. Is Grangemouth a town? That's where you're from. Is it on the coast? Is it, is it, are you near the, it's sort of inland a little bit. Oh, the Firth of Forth? So exciting. Is that near the Trossachs? Or is that no, nowhere near the Trossachs? But uh, famous people up there, Alan uh, Davey, the artist and musician. Uh, Elizabeth Fraser, you must remember her, formerly of the Cocteau Twins. One of my favourite groups. And Robin Guthrie, also formerly of the Cocteau Twins. And Kay Adams is from there. Oh, good Lord. Her dad's got a, a huge company up there. Kay Adams? You like, we like Kay Adams. She's the one on the um, on the Loose Women, the one who looks like she should be standing there with a whip and a pair of thigh-length boots. I don't know why she looks like she's wandered off an advert in a, in a post box or something. But, but I seriously, every time I saw her, uh, and she's, she's quite severe, the hair looks like arrives in the... Oh, is that Falkirk? We're looking at a... Uh, that's Grangemouth, sorry. That's really nice. Look at that. Three elderly people and a beggar. Marvellous. So uh, no different from down here. It could be any town, couldn't it? Grangemouth. It's lovely. It's, it's a town. I mean, if, if I remember correctly, it's sort of on the banks of Firth of Forth. It's east of Falkirk. It's another language, this, isn't it? You're probably not following this at all. But it's part of the Falkirk Council area. And it's twinned with Laporta in Indiana. Residents of the town are known as Portonians. Grangemouth is known as Gmoof or Gitoon. And the youth team are known as the YGBs. They'll be so excited to be mentioned today. So there'll be questions asked in the council meeting. I was listening to the radio the other day. The Steve Allen, he was talking about Falkirk. Why was he talking about Falkirk and Grangemouth? What was going on there? They'll, be, oh, they'll probably have pictures of me up in the town. I'll, I'll probably get a national day. Today in Grangemouth, it's Steve Allen Day. There'll be pictures up. There'll be marching bands down the high street. And the locals will be going, who is he? I might get, I could get the freedom of Grangemouth. Oh, I've looked at it. I mean, most of these people look like they, they should be locked up. I don't know about having the freedom of Grangemouth. It's quite pretty, isn't it? Is that a for sale sign down the road? It looks like it. Looks like a for sale sign sticking out. But it's very pretty, actually. And, and when it's covered in snow, it looks even prettier. And that's Grangeburn. It's, it's lovely. Do you know, oh, 
It's also got a little bit of an industrial side going on, which probably isn't exciting, but without that, the people of Grangemouth would be freezing over the winter period. So uh, at least it's nice, isn't it? We don't know enough about this country. We're bone idle, aren't we? We don't go out there. They've even got, I mean, a marvellous thing. De- uh, demolition was beginning on the soup works. They actually had a building, which was the soup works. Oh, soap. I do beg your pardon. Sorry, I thought it was a bit unusual just to make soup for the poor people of Cragemouth. <laughs> so the soap were, imagine that, a whole building, ladies and gentlemen, devoted, because they're so dirty, that they have to sort of get soap, a free bar of soap, every, everybody in Grangemouth today. And people used to queue up. It was in baskets and they go, oh, what, what is it today? Is it free? Lavender soap. Oh, we don't want to use that. That's far too gay. And uh, so they'd have sort of go out there and have coal, coal soap. Far better for you. But the building was haunted. Many by all the people who fell in the soap vats, I should imagine. People falling in. And it's now, it's a whiskey thing, is it really? Oh, wow. God. I, I have to be honest. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sort of thinking, you know, out of all the places I want to see, would I rather fall in, you know, a volcano or would I rather visit Grangemouth? The volcano is looking quite appealing, actually, at the moment. There's nothing I can see about Grangemouth. I mean, there's not even any people on the streets. And these pictures were taken at the, at the height of the day. When there should have been people on the streets, but there weren't. The park looks quite nice. That's Zetland Park, which is lovely. It's got a few trees left. Um, because, And they've got a children's day, which happens every year. As I say, it's marvellous, isn't it? Anyway, we'll take a short break, shall we? 14, I think we've put them on the map quite enough today. And, uh, oh, there's Falkirk Council. Look at that. Expected number of marchers for their children's day. 3,000. That's really good, isn't it? I'd avoid it. Sounds ghastly. 14 minutes to six. Leading Britain's conversation, Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Very interesting. We were talking about uh, clowns. Uh, Grimaldi being the resident performer at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane and also at Sadler's Wells. So he sometimes performed, I'm told by Chris in Brentwood, at both theatres on the same night and used to run between the two. Because in those days, and this, this was the interesting thing about theatre, and I don't know why we've moved on to this, it's just sort of one of those things. Uh, but the interesting thing is the fact that uh, theatres would have... Uh, they were generally attached to pubs, and they turned into the, the forerunners, the music halls. And so people would perform, like the Vesta Tillies, like Little Titch and everybody else. I mean, you know, ask Roy Hudd. He is the acknowledged expert on music hall. He knows everything about it. I've, I've done a place where he was doing the after-dinner speech, and he was talking about music hall. And he's such an enthusiast, and he, he knows so much about it. And, um, and th- these people could perform their act... Literally just going round the theatres because nobody ever saw them twice. If it was on te- the moment television came in and radio, it used up material. And that's what people found really disappointing. So you used to suffer with, with, with television. It killed a lot of acts. Uh, you know, uh, Kevin the Milkman says, I'm, I don't think you're going to get the freedom of Falkirk, Steve. He says, with your accent turning from Scottish to Northern Irish. <laughs> Manuel says it sounds a bit Irish as well. Listen, don't knock it. Don't knock it. There's not many people doing accents at this time of the morning. You know, I thought it sounded quite Scottish, but it didn't sound Irish, did it? Oh, it wasn't, wasn't meant to be. I mean, I think I could go up there and probably order food in Falkirk. You know what I think so? I could probably go into a cafe and they'd probably think I was one of their own. And then I'd all of a sudden amaze them by going, actually, I'm a southern Jesse. You know, just to wait and see what they're going to say. Oh, Kyla, we've got a southerner look. They'd all be coming out the kitchen. <laughs> just have a look at me. It'd be quite exciting, wouldn't it? Sorry about that. I mean, I, I don't uh, don't wish to sort of diss people. I remember as a child in the 50s, seeing the most famous clown in the business, as Ian and Sid Cup, Coco. Yes, um, I've got a picture with, with Coco. He used to work for Bertram Hill Circus. And he used to have an orange wig on that he would push a button and the wig, the hair would go up at the sides. And when they used to play Olympia... 
he was down there. He was a very famous clown. And then I think his daughter uh, took over the circus at... Um, oh, it was Chipperfield. So I can't remember where it was, actually. What's that? That's Coco the Clown. I know. Amazing, isn't it? When you sort of look at them, you used to think it's quite, it's quite an art to do it, to be a clown. There's some very good clowns around at the moment. I don't personally know any clowns. I know lots of uh, magicians for children, and some probably dress up as clowns and blow up balloons, something I've never actually managed at all. But um, I'm sure it was his daughter that set up the circus at... Ch- um, not Ch- Where's the word? World of Adventure? Chester... Chessington, I never think of the word actually, Chessington World of Adventure, and they had a circus there with no animals in, which was strange because they said that Coco had uh, never wanted uh, animals in a circus, and yet Bertram Mill Circus had animals in it. When I saw it, they had polar bears, and I think there were sea lions and all sorts of things. I've never seen animals in a circus. It's amazing. Yeah, horses, yeah, budgies, you see, you get Norman Collier, Norman Barrett doing his budgie act in a circus. He started at Blackpool and then moved down. And he was at, he was on the green at Twickenham, actually. He was, he was with Zippo Circus. He used to have it, no, he's, he's, uh, he, he was the ringmaster. He was the ringmaster, but he, very famous, and he used to do a budgie act. He still, I know he does. (laughs) You sound surprised, and I know these things. But, uh, at the, that's right, the clown makes the dog. And sometimes you get dogs in circuses now that play football, which is really balloon, and they sort of knock it backwards and forwards. But no, when I went to see Bertram Mill Circus, there was, um, they had polar bears literally standing up there. I've seen uh, lions in circuses. And they keep the polar bears cold. They took, took their coats off and left them hanging by the door. And then they sort of sat there and went, God, it's hot. So hot in there. I've seen them on the, on the television as well. Paul Daniels used to regularly put uh, animals on the programme. Because over in Vegas... They've got, you know, Siegfried and Roy kind of pioneered animals, but there's loads of other people now. You know, if you're working with... And Siegfried and Roy's show was just full of animals. I've never seen so many animals. Seriously, just, you know, loads. Elephants, snakes, tigers, lions, bears. There was nothing that they didn't use at all. And they had them in their house as well. They used to show you a big film at the beginning of Siegfried and Roy's lovely house. And uh, lions and tigers sprawled over the bedding. I mean, really? I mean, it must have been, it must have stunk to high heaven. But uh, anyway, then came that fateful day where, of course, Roy got attacked. Well, they say, no, the, 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 um, the, the lion didn't, the tiger didn't attack him. Looked like an attack to me. You know, I do not want to jump through a hoop again because they used to have this thing at the beginning that they would uh, uh, have this fire. It was like a giant mirror ball. And Roy would straddle it, doing his best to look as butcher as possible, hanging onto the top, and he'd fling open the top, and the flames would come out of it, and all the rest of it. Flames were piling out like the thing was on fire. He'd close the lid, open it again, and out would jump a huge Siberian tiger. And people would go, woo! And then it would walk round the audience. You know, it was protected. I think there was like a glass panel there in the uh, in the theatre that they had built specially for them. And then the other one was they would literally... I mean, it was it was so clever... They would have a big glass cabinet on stage, which they would hoist up to the ceiling. Roy would pull a blind, or it could have been Siegfried, and a blind would drop round this glass box. It would drop immediately, within seconds, and there again, a fully grown tiger. And that's what they became famous for. And then, of course, you know, people don't... You go abroad, you'll find animals in circuses. We don't seem to see them very much in this country. We see horses... And we see dogs and we see budges and stuff like that. But you tend not to see the uh, the wild animals. I just don't think councils license them anymore. Other stories in the papers for today. 
Um, apart from uh, the Panama Capers, this one's really growing like Topsy. But the more you read into it, the more you think these could be old documents. Because they were talking about people uh, like Heather Mills, who uh, they said had offshore accounts. And most of these people that they've talked to have said, listen, we did have accounts, but they've been dormant for years. They're not used for anything. In fact, one of them, I mean, Sarah Ferguson, apparently, uh, was involved in this fiasco. I thought she was broke. I mean, I understand exactly, you know, where people are coming from when they open the offshore accounts. And I'll run through it, actually, in the next bit of the programme, just so you know what they are. Uh, they are... They are designed for people to put their money offshore so that they get tax advantages. She says that, you know, if if this was an operable account, if it was one that was actually functioning at the moment, she'd be paying the tax on it. But, of course, you know, it isn't. They all appear to be very dormant. Uh, Mark Thatcher, no comment from him. And you think, but all these people... This all started with David Cameron, didn't it, and his father. And now they're saying that he hasn't benefited. But it's been carefully worded. I can't quite get that, you know, uh, do you benefit from this? And the answer is that, no, I won't. But we're not saying he hasn't. And that's what they're they're asking now. So, you know, and it is rich people. If you've got a lot of money, although I never actually saw Sarah Ferguson being rich, I thought she just uh, didn't Prince Andrew have to put her up because she hasn't got any money. Didn't she just have to sell her Bentley that was given to her? So what sort of money would she have? I don't know what the divorce settlement was, but I, I don't think it would be a lot. But most of these accounts appear to be dormant. You know, even Simon Cowell, they went, no, these were set up by some associates and they've not been used. They've not been used. And they all seem to be in the Virgin Islands. And I can't work out for the life of me. I mean, apart from the fact that there's obviously lots of corruption that goes on, you know, years ago. People did it years ago. It's nothing new. I don't know why people are making a big song and dance about it now. It's been going on for absolutely ages. Uh, Here we've got, this is uh, Colin Montgomery. He's not very good at holding a relationship down. Uh, they say that why do women fall for Golf World's Mrs. Doubtfire? I used to love Mrs. Doubtfire. You for Janae Doubtfire. Hello, dear. I used to love that. I could do that. You see, honestly, sometimes I just fall into these parts. Uh, more on the fake pictures on Tinder. A lot, of, uh, a lot of people go on Tinder. It's apparently a dating site. Don't ask me any more about it, because I've got no idea how these things work. I just think, and I don't have, and you could check my phone. We don't have anything like this on here at all. I've got baby pictures of me, and that's about as far as it goes. But anyway, so I've got, you know, and you can't push those out anywhere, can you? So people go on, and they say, I'm looking for, and then people say, I'm within, you know, 10 feet of you. And, some, and that's, because a friend of mine did it one time, and he said, he said, there's apparently somebody in this same street as us. And I said, where? And he said, well, I don't know. He said, I just know they're 15 feet away. And so I'm looking around thinking, this is like being stalked. This is like your worst nightmare. You could try it in this building and they might go, somebody who's interested in you is, is six feet away. And you look around and go, well, have you done it in this bu- Really? Some f- and do you find people? Uh, you can't say now, can you? Can't say because it's too embarrassing and incriminating. But I should imagine, actually, I knew somebody and, 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 and he'd said that there were people outside in Leicester Square. Which I thought was, you know, because that's not that far if you fall out the window. If you have to go all the way down, it takes forever. But if you fall out the window, you can meet them fairly quickly. Especially if you land on top of them. But, it's, but that's what it is. But they say a lot of people on Tinder, uh, because I think there are about two or three of these data. There could be even more. I'm only guessing about how many dating sites there are. And, uh, and apparently people, people make money on them as well. Because people, people pay for it. Honestly, the world has changed. Honestly, in my day, if you gave somebody a lollipop, you were in with a chance. Nowadays, you know, they're sort of talking serious. Might have to go to the bank. I'll have to go to the bank machine, get a loan out. But, uh, but they're saying that people are putting up fake pictures 
on some of these dating sites. But that's always been the case, hasn't it? People put up a picture they think is flattering, and then you see them in real life, and you go, you don't actually look anything like that person. So I thought easier just, just not, not to bother at all. Uh, Steve, like you, says Wendy, I went to Bertram Mill's Circus with Coco the Clown, and... Um, was Paul dressed in Piero costume, all in white. Happy days, but maybe not so for the animals. And I took my daughter to Zippo Circus at Blackheath. We saw the ringmaster Steve and his, uh, and his budgie act. Uh, it was very good. Very good. And, uh, and Sheena enjoyed that. So that's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I do love it. I love it. I was in Falkirk last week, says Karen. Look at that. You see already? We've put Falkirk on the map here. It has the world's only rotating boat lift. You get in the boat... And it takes 25 metres in the air, rotates and takes you to another level tunnel. Not a ride, but used by the workers many years ago. Now it's a transportation thing. Really? How marvellous. How absolutely riveting, honestly. Oh dear, honestly. Small wonder I'm on tablets. Coming up very shortly, the news at six o'clock. Diabetes is on the global march. One in 11 people is a victim. Ali Jones says he went very grumpy on daybreak. I'm delighted to report he's not grumpy anymore. And is it Nessie in the Thames? No, it's not. It's fake, Okay. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Oh, it's going to have to run to get back in the studio again. It was terrible, really. Anyway, nice to be company. Welcome to Thursday, the 7th of April. Some of the stories in the uh, the papers today. Japan unveiling, which I think is a really exciting story, an invisible train. It's not not actually invisible. It's the, uh, it's the covering to it. Are there any celebrities without an offshore account? I think they've got them, but I think most of them are dormant. I think this is old paperwork that is cropping up. Can somebody please tell Rebecca Adlington, we're not remotely interested in your marriage. Thank you very much indeed. Goodbye. Go away. Just say to them when they come to you and go, do you want to talk about your boring marriage? Just go, no, I don't. And, you know, and then people won't begin to hate you. Was it Nessie lurking in the Thames? No. It wasn't. There's no point in lying to you about it. Uh, HSBC to close another 200 branches. And a yob uses a false leg as a bong, ladies and gentlemen. Well, you don't even know what a bong... You probably think that's something that happens on New Year's Eve. You know, bong. No, apparently it's something for smoking drugs. But uh, he's in the papers uh, today. The front pages, they're all talking... Well, it's either two things... They're right. Well, three things, actually. They're talking about the nine million for the pro-EU leaflets in the homes. Nine million pounds. Twenty-three million of you are going to get a leaflet through the door. Do you really care? Answer no. Wills and Kate's terror threat. Uh, there's some suicide bomb jihadis. I would have thought, actually, that would not be the best place for them to go to. I don't want to be, don't want to be rude about it, but I think that they could probably go somewhere safer. And uh, so they're saying, why don't they postpone it? Well, you know, if you're going to postpone it, then just cancel it. It would make it a lot easier, wouldn't it, if you're going to go to somewhere that's fairly dangerous. Uh, and then the uh, the other one is, is the Nessie spotted in the... I wish they'd stop going. It really annoys me. I hate it, because there will be certain simple people listening who would like to believe that there is such a thing as the Loch Ness Monster. Because some strange shape... I mean, as far as I'm concerned, this, this could be Anne Widdicombe with water wings on, floating up and down the Thames. You know, you would have no idea whatsoever. What is it? It's Widdy. What's she doing? She's attempting to do backstroke, you know, and she could bob up and down the Thames. They go, it's an odd shape in the water. Amazed onlookers filmed this mystery beast. Yeah, there is no, I mean, really, Lord above. It's probably just a seal that's going, you know, like seals do. I should imagine, I mean, I've never been to uh, the Bonny Bonny uh, sides of Loch Lomond, and, which is in the Trossachs National Park, which sounds very nice, actually. And I was looking at the picture of it. It's not, oh, it's not in it, sorry. Loch Lomond and the Trossachs National Park are separate. Are they separate places? Oh, right. Oh, Inverness is at the top of Scotland. 
Oh, the Trossachs is somewhere else. I'm so sorry, actually. I was trying to make a cheap joke about the Trossachs, but we didn't, uh, didn't actually bother with it. But I'm looking at it, and I've suddenly realised, actually, that we don't... You know, some of these windswept places in, in Scotland, if you go through country life on a regular basis, which I do, um, you discover that they're selling vast swathes of land in Scotland. You know, 30,000 acres, six locks and two forests and stag hunting and all that. You know, I'm not, not keen on the stag hunting bit. But you look at it and you think, it's so beautiful. It really is actually so beautiful. And you have to ask yourself the question, why does nobody live there? Why is nobody there? Why is it completely deserted? Because they're areas that are protected. And uh, they've got forest parks. They've got special nature conservation sites. And there are, you know, there are certain places. But how does it end up looking like this? I mean, years, millions of years ago, when you look at... They were doing a thing on space on the television. You know, I've had this peculiarity going on with me for ages. That you look at space and you go, but where does it go? How, how far do you keep going into deep space? What, I mean, is, is at the end of it, there's a huge man with a white beard going, I made all this. You know, is that what, or is it just keep going and going and going to where? And they go to infinity. I go, yeah, but where is that? I don't know where infinity is. You know, and you look at this beautiful landscape in this country and you can go to Wales and you, can, you look at these mountains and you think, at one time was all of this underwater and then gradually the, the waters recede and then we're left with these beautiful areas. I just don't understand it. I just look at it and think, sometimes it's so beautiful. And it's, you always find, it's always people who are sort of, an odd thing to say, but they're sort of nearing the end of their life and they do a wish list. There are places that they want to go to. They always want to do certain things, like they want to be with dolphins or they want to go to Disney or they want to do something. And I think, do you know, I could be quite happy just sitting with a portion of fish and chips, or as they call it, a fish and chip supper. A fish and chip supper, sitting on the backs of Lot Lomond with a bottle of Prosecco, nicely chilled. You know, and you could be, you could bottle a pot of iron brew as well, made from girders. <laughs> I never understood that at all. Although it's not made from girders at all, it's just sugar. But, uh, never let it spoil a good advert on the television. And you could look out at that, and you could probably see all sorts of nice things. A friend of mine lived in the country years ago, and of an evening, they would sit in their garden, and they would watch an owl hunting at night, it would fly out from the woods and then it would swoop down and it would pick up, you know, a dormouse or whatever it was it was hunting. Could never pick up a deck chair, just a dormouse, the little tiny things. And then it would fly back in and you could watch this on a regular basis. And I used to think, you know, we could be quite happy with simple things. I've always thought, you know, sitting just by the seaside is quite pleasant. You know, just sitting down in Brighton, nearest for us is probably Brighton, isn't it? Or South End. Although South End's a bit chavvy. It's quite nice. Bits of it are quite nice. Um, and just sit there with a cup of tea, looking out to see. I could be quite happy with that. Quite happy. It wouldn't wouldn't bother me in the slightest. I could even sit outside. Sorry, what is nice? Cameron House. Oh, right on the banks of Lot Law. That sounds gorgeous, doesn't it? Oh, good Kayleigh. That's a bit of a dance, isn't it, a Kayleigh? At least I know what that is. I'm looking at Cameron House at the moment. Oh, that's beautiful. That's very baronial, isn't it? That's very exciting. That's very rundown. It's uh, no, it's quite nice. You know, if you like that, so it looks like it's been built up over the years. There's all these gorgeous places, and it's on the Bonnie. They always say the Bonnie Banks. Oh, look, even Tartan Bedlin, and how nice! It's a five-star Scottish baronial mansion. When you think that was built for a person, a person would have had it, and they'd have lived in there with staff and everything else. And you can also go cruising uh, on the uh, on the lock aboard their uh, their luxury cruiser which is called Celtic Warrior which kind of frightens me a little bit when they sort of started naming the boats after attacks and stuff like that yeah it's like I mean it does look nice they've got a good lord 132 bedrooms that's like the size of disney isn't it really i do like living in a hotel sorry i could live in a hotel to 
Yes, lovely. 250 quid a night, is it? Oh, quite expensive. But they do have a restaurant and, a, and an 18-hole championship golf course and a luxury resort. The big thing nowadays in hotels, if you've noticed, ladies and gentlemen, is they've got a spa. People want to go away for a spa, don't they? I've been to a spa. A friend of mine used to go to one of these health resorts years ago. And, um, and I went down there and he said, oh, should we have some lunch? And I said, oh, yeah, thinking perhaps we'll have chips or fish or something like that. No, it was the most boring lunch I've ever had in my life. It was like a little nut roast. And everybody's sitting around in white dressing gowns. I felt decidedly overdressed in a sweatshirt and jeans with heels. And, uh, and I was sort of, no, no, no. Balamori. Is Balamori the place with all the different coloured houses? Oh, and I tell you how I know about that, because the lady who used to do the programme on Balamori, her mother wrote to me. She said it's quite a nice programme, because she was a listener. And um, it used to have all sorts of... It was created by Brian Jameson, of course. You know, you'll remember Brian Jameson who created it. And uh, they did 254 episodes. But all the houses... It was filled in, in Tobermory, on the Isle of Mull. And uh, she was terribly Scottish. And it was all the children were terribly Scottish, and it was, and, and a very, very, very camp policeman. But uh, you know that's policeman today, and um, but it was all the fact that all the houses were painted different colours. And I remember thinking, are these places real? And they go, yeah, of course they're real, absolutely real. You can go there, and there was, you know, it was, it was, it was lovely actually, really lovely. Miss Hooley was uh, Julie Wilson Nimmo, and uh, she was a nursery teacher, and uh, she used to do things, and uh, she used to do that, you know, uh, what do you want to do today? And strike up the band and all that sort of stuff. There was Archie the Inventor and it was PC Plum, played by little Andrew Agnew. Well, I say little, quite, quite big Andrew uh, Agnew. Uh, he was, uh, and he used to sing, I'm PC Plum, follow the clue. <laughs> Thank God they ditched it. Anyway, uh, other stories on the front. <laughs> now I worry about children's programmes on the television. It's only because when you get a bit older, you start looking at them thinking, these are really weird, but we used to be addicted to them as children. I mean, when I think that I grew up with Winnie the Pooh, Teddy, um, Luby Lou, Andy Pandy, and they were all just string puppets, weren't they? With the exception of Winnie the Pooh. And, uh, see, Budgie the Little Helicopter came in too much later for me, and I wasn't... That was... Now, Budgie the Helicopter, was that the one done by Sarah Ferguson? Or was that the one... Because she did a helicopter which was very loosely based on Budgie, I seem to remember. And she had another one that came out. Sarah Ferguson wrote a book about Little Helicopter, which looked very similar to Budgie. In fact, almost identical to Budgie. And so she set up an offshore account with that, the name of the helicopter on there. I seem to remember. I think that came up in the, in the documents from Panama. God, I hope my name doesn't come up. It's going to be so embarrassing as if I have to sit here and try and explain to you why my £13 three and threepence halfpenny is sitting out there in the Virgin Islands, you know, which has now matured into £36 Because somebody's just won £39 million on the lottery, which is good. One person has won it. I'm hoping it's me, but I've had no notifications whatsoever. Wait a minute, I'll just check. Just to get 35 point something million. I'm just checking, actually, to see if I've actually got a notification from the National Lottery. I've got one thing here, and is it... No, nothing at all. And normally, by this time of the morning, they would have written to me going, Steve, do you want to come and collect the money? But uh, they haven't bothered, so it's not me. So it could be somebody listening. What do we say? 35 million? 35 million, honestly. How exciting. If you were young and you won 35 million, that's great. If you're old, it's not going to make any difference at all. But if you're young and you win it, then, you know, the world is your oyster. You can do just about whatever you want. You could even start an offshore account or hang around with Sarah Ferguson or all these other people, or not, as the case may be. Get fit, says the uh, Express. And the Express says get fit to beat diabetes. Millions given this start warning. I have a feeling I'm going to get it myself. 
I have a feeling that uh, I'm going to be uh, ticked off by the doctor. I think that'll be next week. I've just got this horrible feeling I'm in for a, a bit of a bit of a rollicking. Uh, and also, why Sir David's a daredevil? Do you know David Attenborough is 90? If anybody could be classed as a national treasure, it would be David Attenborough. He's abseiling down the side of a building. He's 90. He's taking the plunge to save planet Earth. I mean, he's 90. And as far as I'm concerned, if you're moving around and doing things like that, there's got to be something in his, uh, in his genes, isn't it? Definitely. And uh, me as Bond, I've not been asked, claims hot tip Tom. And this is uh, Tom Hiddleston, unofficially favourite to be the next James Bond. I'd rather put money on who's going to win the Grand National, but do gamble responsibly. Uh, Also, the use of fake documents for all the migrants leaving in soars by 70%. It's amazing, actually, how many fake documents there are out there and what people will pay. And uh, Prince Harry, another photo opportunity. Get him while he's got hair. Because uh, if he's anything like his brother, it's going very, very quick. And uh, the golfer Monty, we talked about earlier on, actually. This is uh, Colin Montgomery. Has now been living in a hotel after splitting with his wife. These people can't keep their, their relationships together. I don't know what the secret is. Is there a secret to keeping a relationship together? There must be something, mustn't there? It's uh, LBC News Time, 6.15. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning, everybody. 19 minutes past six is the time. Actually, we've just found somebody older than David Attenborough in the paper. And this is uh, a POW, a prisoner of war, who slaved on the Burma Death Rail. Uh, this was the uh, bridge over the River Kwai, portrayed in the 1957 film. And this soldier, who was captured by the Japanese and forced to work on the Burma Death Railway, has just celebrated his 100th birthday. His name is Frank Kerridge. He worked on the track which linked Burma and Thailand for two years after his capture in 1942. And he was one of the few who survived. Thousands died of either disease or exhaustion. And uh, the brutal conditions made this film starring Alec Guinness, Bridge on the River Kwai. And now more than 70 years on, he's still fighting fit as he leads an idyllic life in his native Suffolk. So well done to Frank Kerridge. Tends to his garden, talks to his neighbours, enjoys baking. He still drives, and he puts his longevity down to a warming mug of hot milk with a drop of rum every night. That was what we used to be given when we were, when we were ill years ago. You remember, many of you, that uh, you'd have hot milk with a bit of whiskey in there. A bit of a treat, actually, I used to think, because it was the only way I could drink whiskey. And I don't think I've changed over the years. I'm not, I'm not really a huge whiskey drinker, as you will discover probably this weekend on In Conversation, as we're going to be talking about whiskey with uh, Michelle Rue Jr., so well done to this POW, Frank Kerridge. Wonderful. The mild winter, they say, is threatening gardens, and they could say they could burst into bloom this year. My fig trees just started sprouting. I'm getting slightly disturbed by that, slightly disturbed, because uh, each year it's in a pot. They always say if you've got a fig tree in the garden, then it spreads out and can go... I mean, it can take over the entire garden. You've got to net it to stop the birds eating the figs, but it's quite possible to grow figs in this country. And mine's in a pot... And that's about. And every year I cut it back to the base. I seriously cut it back to the base. And uh, and every year it sprouts off again. So we're looking forward to seeing what we're going to produce this year. We never quite get as good as you know I had first year round. But I think it probably needs to go into a bigger pot. But I'm definitely growing carrots this year. These round carrots. That's that's definitely going to be my uh, my way forward. So the front pages of the papers. They're talking about the uh, the NHS. They asked the question on the uh, on the Daily Mail's front page about the NHS. Should it really be paying to help a 55 year old have triplets? And uh, the simple answer is it's cost an absolute fortune. She paid for IVF, but she's been in hospital for God knows how many weeks. And um, and she's 55. She's already got four children. I don't quite understand. Now she's got triplets. 
triplets. Uh, countless Americans, they say, can read about a married celebrity dad having a threesome with another couple. So why are the judges banning you from knowing his name? This is the, uh, the story in this country of uh, a married celebrity who they claim has been having extracurricular and the married celebrity goes to the court and they get one of these injunctions out which prevents the paper from revealing their name. And I suppose in America, people would be saying, but why? You know, we, we have a, a duty to know this. I mean, the, the simple answer is you don't actually have, have care to know who this person is. It doesn't make any difference unless you know them. It still wouldn't make any difference. It depends what image they, they sell to you, isn't it? If they sell an image of a happily married couple, but they're getting up to a little bit of shenanigans. But surely that's their business. But the papers are so intrigued on this one. They're so fascinated as to who the person is. And so details of the infidelity have been printed in, uh, in a paper already, I think. And, uh, and so that's why. I mean, the truth will, will come out eventually. Eventually, the name of this person will hit the newspapers. Somebody will blurt it out on some television programme. I mean, it is, they say, akin to King Canute who sat on the beach trying to hold back the waves. We are in the digital global age where there are no boundaries. The only people who stand to make money out of this are the lawyers. They go there and they get these things. So, in fact, it's already been available, this stuff. The information was available on social media. Uh, and Bob Satchwell, executive director at the Society of Editors, says injunctions were draconian outdated and ludicrous. He says on one level, it means people who buy these injunctions are wasting their money. But it's quite ridiculous that people elsewhere can know all about the story, but people in Britain are not allowed it. Makes a mockery of the system. Because eventually, this this person's name is going to hit the headline. It might even be over social media. I've got no idea. And, and care precious little. I'm really, I'm, you know, I'm as, about as interested in that as I was interested in, in Vernon Kay. I couldn't care less what he does in his private life. Surely that's their business. You know, but nowadays people say, well, if they're in the public eye, we should have a duty to know about it. Why? If the wife's not bothered about it, why would anybody else be worried about it? I'm more worried about uh, we're paying for a nine million pound leaflet campaign to stop you voting for Brexit. I'm more worried about that. Nine and a half million quid. Twenty three of these are going out. I mean, why? I've got why. I just don't understand it. I'm more interested in the fact that tea cake sales soaring after the uh, the Scottish nationalists called for a boycott of Tunnock's tea cakes. Adverts for the snack appeared on the underground at the start of the year, featuring the words Great British Tea Cake, a nod to the Great British Bake Off. But Scottish nationalists protested outside the Lanarkshire Company's headquarters and called for a boycott. Anyway, the campaign fire backfired spectacularly, with Tunnock's revealing sales had soared since the outcry. Of course, most kids I know, most adults, you bring in a packet of tea cakes... Tunnocks, and they make those snowballs as well. You know, those ones that have got the same foam inside, but with the... Co- oh, dear. The managing director of Tunnocks was listening to me many, many years ago, and uh, he sent me in a, an email saying I was listening to your programme the other day. It's one of those rare occasions where, you know, it kind of paid off for everybody. And, uh, and he said, you were talking about our tea cakes and about these snowballs. And I said, well, I remember the snowballs because at school I was in charge of the tuck shop, which was a table with boxes of crisps on, and the kids would line up and we'd sell them this. And, um, and he, sent, he said, I'll, I'll send you some in. He sent in cases of these things. I mean, to be honest with you, in the end, we make, make ourselves ill. So I'm delighted, actually, it backfired. You know, great British tea cakes. It doesn't really matter, does it? And so people protest about it. And if you protest, it draws the public's attention to it. If it draws the public's attention to it, people want it. 
You know, if it hadn't been for Mike Reed banning Frankie Goes to Hollywood's record, it never would have hit number one. It just would have just coasted along like anything else. Biggest picture of the day. You're going to love this one. This is a 60-stone alligator. This thing could take your head off. It used to eat cattle. It was spotted lurking in cattle ponds and said to have been devouring cows whose body parts were found. This is in uh, a farm called Outwest in Florida. Anyway, mutilated body parts were found there, and this monster had to be removed. It is the biggest, the biggest alligator I've ever seen in my entire... In fact, seriously, you think it's out of a movie. It's seriously enormous. Anyway, the farmer got it, and he said, uh, I did do a guided gator hunt this morning and killed the largest gator we've ever killed in the wild. He's 15 feet. They plan to donate the meat to charity and have it stuffed for display at hunting shows. Do people eat gator meat now? Do they eat... Ooh, sorry about that. I feel a bit queasy at that one. But it, it was it was shot after surfacing 20 feet away from them. And, of course, as it surfaced, they probably didn't know what size it was. You don't think that Nessie thing could be one of these, do you? I mean, this thing is huge, but then if it's been eating cows, I should imagine it is. It is enormous. Enormous. But, I mean, does it really deserve to die? If it's eating his cows, I can kind of understand it. But at the same time, it's just doing what it wants to do. It wants to feed. How it ever got there in the first place, I've got no idea. Uh, apparently, the first Sunday in February, Steve, there is the annual Clowns Church service at Holy Trinity Church in Dalston. Clowns attend a church service in memory of Joseph Grimaldi. Yes, I mean, I, w- I was right about the uh, the painting of the faces on the uh, of the eggshells. Because uh, I've, I've always followed things like that. And I went round an exhibition uh, up at Blackpool Tower Circus, which was amazing. Uh, Peter in Glasgow says the uh, Panama paper broke two years ago. By the time the British press got it, the accounts had all gone. Yes, I mean, it's, to me, it seems that these are dormant accounts and they're sort of, they're kind of sort of in the wind as it is. Uh, the late, great Keith Floyd, Steve, was in an episode of Balamori, says Quilo. Really? <laughs> Andrew Shepherds Bush says, Anne Widdicombe, Steve, floating along the Thames. Uh, imagine that amount of water. Uh, displaced. Uh, yes, thank you very much indeed. Eight four eight five O Steve at LBC No, you're absolutely right. I got my position on radio through default. I did. I got it through through default. I didn't. I didn't want to work in the radio. But uh, I think you 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 do a job, don't you, nowadays? And I think all of a sudden you find a calling. It's like being a nurse. I think you go into it thinking, oh, I'll be a nurse. And then for some people it works out. For some people it doesn't work out. But everybody's got a calling. And that's why some people are very good at jobs. John was saying to me the other day, he works for Paul Cooper in the fruit and veg shop. He said, he said I can shift fruit and veg. Well, fruit mainly. If they bring in, you know, it's Betty Davenport will tell you the same from the magic shop. That her father used to buy in something. She would have to learn it. And then she would demonstrate it and that would sell it. And it's the same, you know, if Paul goes out to market and buys 30 crates of mangoes, they've got mangoes to shift. They don't shift by themselves. You've got to stand there and physically sell them. You know, every morning we sell LBC. I think we sell it quite well, actually. I think we sell it very well. Uh, so here's Harper Beckham. They've started the, uh, the, uh, the photographs already for having her nails done. You know, should she not be playing with little children her own age? Just having her nails done. Her mother's sort of sitting there. Uh, with the baseball cap on and dark glasses. Always looks somewhat ridiculous indoors, I think. But, of course, that's the mark of a celebrity, as they say. Anyway, that's it for this morning. Thank you so much indeed for your company. Thank you uh, so much for all the uh, the texts and the emails. We'll do it again tomorrow morning as we head into the weekend. We have a couple of clips for In Conversation for the guests who are going to be playing for you this Sunday. So this weekend it changes. Andrew Castle's here with breakfast Saturday and Sunday, 7 till 10. I'm here with the best of Steve Allen on Saturday morning, 5 till 7, and then... 
live with the Sunday papers between five and seven on Sunday morning. OK, so uh, just so you just so you w- wake up at the right time. I don't want you to wake up at the wrong time. And uh, we'll take more of your texts and emails. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show at Steve Allen Show. And then uh, we'll see what uh, what the papers tomorrow bring. I bet there's more celebrity names, but frankly, they can't bring any more out, can they? And uh, don't forget, you can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. You can download this free LBC app for your mobile or tablet and never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at seven, Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Andrew Pierce got a new Friday night uh, show on LBC starting tomorrow. We'll be in looking at the papers. I'm back tomorrow from four. Do not be late. But right now, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. Leading Britain's conversation, LBC with Steve Allen.